Hello, Chomp Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Chomp Cast, the official video game podcast of Sword Chomp, and a podcast where if you listen long enough, you will realize that all of your dreams and goals are attainable if you truly want them and put in the effort. We are living proof by getting to do this podcast, talking to thousands of people and being supported. Usually, we start off the show with something humorous, but I was feeling a ton of love and gratification this week, so I wanted to start off by showing and conveying that from the three of us. <sighs> to all of you who have ever checked out our show and listened to us, to spending any energy supporting us, by spending your free time and hard-earned money on us, and by sending us private messages letting us know how much we do for you and others, thank you. It has always shown us that there is a world where we can speak about video games and infuse it with both comedy and positivity with a dash of reality and cynicism. I mean, we are human after all. And some games just have it coming. I tell you what. But I digress. If this is your first time being here, I want to say a big welcome and thank you for checking out the show. It's always good to have new ears on the show. And if you find yourself enjoying what you hear throughout this episode, if you could hit the subscribe button, that would help us immensely as we continue to get the Sword Chomp name out there. So everyone, I cannot tell you how excited I am to do this episode. I've been wanting to do it for over a year at this point. After asking multiple people and doing the proper research, I think we are finally ready to sit down and do this. I've noticed that within the past few years, more publications and people in the industry are talking about this, but there is a long way to go. We wanted to use our platform to have this discussion because this particular topic is very near and dear to our hearts. We all know people born and existing within this space and in our personal lives that identify within this community. I can't wait. So great people of the internet, we are sitting down today to have a discussion of LGBTQ representation in gaming. We are going to be accompanied by a wonderful person as a special guest. But first, let me introduce you to the voices that you know and love. Calling in from the Big Apple, he is a man who's not afraid to tell you that you have something stuck in your teeth. And now that he's vaccinated, he will pull out a personal toothpick that he carries with him to pick it out for you. They call him Picky Rich, you know, instead of Richie Rich. A man of the people, Mr. Rich Meister. <laughs> I couldn't get through that. <laughs> Such a stupid introduction. Mr. Rich Meister. Rich, even though we've been talking privately about all sorts of stuff this week, it's really good to see you. How have you been this week? Uh, I've been great. Did you know that like a hundred years ago, like having a toothpick that you reused was a big thing? It was fucking gross. You know, Rich, did you know that 20 years ago in Great Falls, Montana, where I grew up, they used to sell plastic personal toothpicks that you could buy at the gas stations? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Just but they 20 were... years ago. And like, I was, like as a, I was like writing this sing- intro, like a single I thought reusable about that one? and I was like, I haven't thought yeah, I about a that. Whalebone. Okay, yeah, yeah was that's what like was, one. that's what was big like a hundred years ago. I, okay, I'm fully convinced Montana is not a real place. It's like a pocket of time where 
you either like you, you can't get there unless you already know where it is and it's just where like meth labs come from and there's just people from the colonial era still living there dude i'm telling you man it was the weirdest like growing up there not to make this intro of you about me but i'm gonna do that um is it's usually what i do was, for you so I, that's fair i it was such a weird place growing up but being there it was like oh that's normal Except the toothpick thing. I remember going to a gas station with my father one time to probably buy Powerade or some shit. And at the, at the front counter were these plastic toothpicks. And I was like, who would buy this? And, and my dad Morgan... and I just were scoffing at it. And every time we went there, one or two of them would be gone. So somebody was buying it. It was there for somebody. I don't know who. I like but... to imagine it was exclusively for people building meth labs. Like they had some weird use for them we didn't know about. I don't know. I don't is know. Is there a way you could smoke out of them? Because that's why they sell things at gas stations in New York. Like, do you guys know what a glass rose is? No. It's a little glass vial with a rose, like a tiny rose suspended in it. And they sell them at gas stations in all sorts of places. And the reason that they sell them is because that's how you make a crack pipe. Oh. Mm-hmm. Where there's a will... There's a way. But no, Rich, how are you doing? I want to know about you. I don't want to know about the crack pipes or the toothpicks. I want to know about you. How are you doing? Um, fine. You know, uh... That, that's encouraging. <laughs> daytime life still kicking my ass. Not this weekend. Next weekend is going to be the first Saturday I have had off in almost four months. Hell yeah, dude. I thought it was going to be this Saturday for some reason. So did I, but here we are. <laughs> now I understand the full scope of the situation. Well, Rich, here's the thing I will say. We, we, we've been talking about some ideas for some upcoming Chompcast episodes, and they're going to tie into the podcast that you're going to want to be starting. I'm really excited for that. And uh, we have some exciting news for next week, which I don't want to reveal yet. So stay tuned for next week. But um, we yeah. have a lot of really cool, exciting things happening in the in the near future for us. Two weeks of guests. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, like, we haven't had guests almost all year. I mean, I think we've had two guests. And then we had Zach a few weeks ago talking about uh, voice acting. We have a special guest, which I'm really excited to introduce here in a few minutes. Uh, they're being a very patient person right now. I appreciate it. And then, yeah, we have another guest next week. So it's just like guest after guest. So it's fun. And just, just think rich. That's where you started here. Just a consistent yeah, true. Guest. It was a seat, seat filler. You were for the good old, uh, idiot who's talking right now, but no, <laughs> rich, I'm glad you're here today, buddy. And, uh, I'm sorry you don't get tomorrow off, but you know what? That's going to make next week all the sweeter. And I got invited to do a thing on that day. So that's fun. Yeah. That's, that's great. That's great. But no, I'm really glad you're here, Rich. Um, even though you pick other people's teeth, which I don't know what that's about. We'll have to talk about that after the show. But anyways, next. Well, they're not going to get it. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it for him. Next, calling in from Michigan for a little while longer is the man who all plants love as he makes them grow. 
except the tobacco plant, as he has been known to harvest, dry, and smoke them in a victory cigar after he trounces his next gaming conquest. And I guess the various spices, as he has a penchant for cooking with a certain gusto. Hide your cigs. I can't say this with a straight face. Hide your cigs. Hide your chives. Because he's coming to smoke. And eat everything out here. Oh, I, oh, fuck it. I couldn't believe I wrote this stupid shit this morning. Mr. Josh Fowler. Josh, I want to say a public thank you first for editing the show last week. I'm sorry to you and all of the people that I let down with my technical difficulties. But you're back, having played some awesome games and in usual Josh fashion. Having sent us some semi-cryptic videos from your daily life that involves growing and melting marshmallows. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I am, uh, I am good. It's been a uh, little slower week than last week. It's been able to, been able to kind of finally relax a little bit. Start to... Good. Yeah, spending a little more time on the garden after uh, all that work last week trying to fix a mess our plumbers made for us. Um, yeah, it's been yeah. good. You had been to fix good, the plumbers. You had to fix... You had to fix the host. You had to fix. You had to put a lot of fires out this past week, Josh. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry um, about that. I still feel guilty. I mean, it it wasn't the worst. It wasn't the worst. I, I, at least I didn't, glowing I mean, endorsement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some pretty bad flubs in our five years of doing this together, but Josh, did you enjoy that stupid intro I wrote? Because I was like talking about i was writing the stuff for the the cigar stuff and then i was like but he also likes spices because he likes cooking so i'll do that and then i was like hide hide your kids hide your cigs okay that works hide your wives hide your chives all right i got something here and i it's alliteration it didn't work it didn't work work quite how i wanted it to but Mm. it was still really funny to me when's the last time you've had a victory uh, cigar by the way it it was a thing it was it was a thing we all experienced. Yeah, it was. That's true. Yeah. When's the last time you've had a victory cigar, Josh? Um, I don't know. I don't do a ton of like celebratory cigars. You haven't felt victorious in a while. No, no. It's it's more of a. I have to be in the mood for the cigar for on its own merits usually. Okay. They're just, uh, I mean, depending on the cigar, like every now and then, if you know, like, it's like a backwoods, like a little hand rolled, you know, American deal that are, that's the sort of thing you can have a celebratory, you know, cigar and and not feel like you're, you know, somehow diminishing the long, long lineage of this cigar by... You know, <laughs> finally getting that drop. That's that's a fair point. You so. know what's funny? I just thought about it, Josh. Do you remember when Leslie sent us the Cuphead cigar rings uh, mm-hmm. after we beat it? I still have those somewhere. <laughs> I never got. I never. Oh, did used you not? Them. I did never you, got, you didn't put it on the. Oh, you didn't. I never. I never went to go smoke a cigar because the timing, like you guys, ended up mm. doing it without me, and I was like. Well, I'm going to feel like a lame ass doing this on my own. So 
Well, but there's I mean, a cigar shop happen here. I whenever. might have to rectify that. I have to rectify that. It's it's been like three years coming now that I have my Cuphead celebratory cigar. Mm-hmm. Got to make full use of that. But Josh, I'm really glad you're here. Thank you for putting out the fires this past week. And I will be your host for this discussion, Shay Layton, calling in from Japan. Tonight, it is time. We are being joined by a very special guest. He's been a fan and friend of the show for almost the entire time that we've been doing this here thing. The first game he ever played was Super Mario Bros. 3, and he's been hooked on gaming ever since. You know what? I'm just going to let him do the introduction myself. Mr. Ivan Noy. Noy? No? Noy? No? How do you pronounce that, Ivan? I want to make sure uh, I get it right. Usually I say Noy. Noy. I got it right! Holy shit, I got it right. I, Ivan, I can't tell you how happy I am that we are finally getting you on the show. Um, how are you doing this week, man? It, it feels, it feels kind of surreal having you on the show, and I love it. How is your week? God, I just feel so starstruck right now, and I'm just blown away. It's just like, wow. My big by, by, your, by yourself because your it. star shines the brightest here. Gosh, uh, you never you never alone when you're with your friends though, right? Uh, I'm doing really good. I uh, uh, w- uh, school work and get to end the week uh, being a part of this conversation, this dialogue, making space. I love when people say that, so I'm glad I got a chance to plug that concept in here. Um, yes, just really grateful and. Um, possibly the longest I've ever politely sat waiting to chime in into a conversation just happened right now with this other intro. So <laughs> I'm just so I'm reveling in that. I didn't know I could do it. It's honestly, it's good to know. I'm going to put this on my LinkedIn immediately. Mm-hmm. Add that to your resume. <laughs> Special skills can be patient during a phone call. Finally, you can put good listener in best qualities. <laughs> and, and mean it. And not just say it because I want someone to tell me something yeah, yeah. juicy. I'm like, I have a good listener, I swear. But it's so, so thank you so much for inviting me and having me join in this conversation. I really appreciate it. No, seriously, thank you. I know that, like, um, these, like, it's always, for me, it's always an interesting, it's ex- equal, part, equal parts exciting and giving me anxiety asking people to be on these kind of, like, serious topics. Um, because, obviously, I'm, I'm essentially asking someone to come in here to talk to three cis hetero white men about their experiences of you know growing up um of existing in the in this gaming community in these these various communities and talk about their hardships talk about all the positivities and everything in that spectrum just to talk about their lives for people who I mean, you don't even know who you're, I mean, you know, some of the people that you're talking to, obviously within the, in the Patreon community and whatnot, but a lot of these people, you don't know who you're broadcasting to. So that's got to be a little bit daunting, um, in some way, shape or form. And then I'm also like really happy to invite people to do that. Cause obviously, um, it, it's, it's a really cool and rare opportunity that, um, we get to kind of take what we built here and uh, allow other people to have a voice that um, not necessarily wouldn't normally have a noise, a voice. I don't think that obviously I hold myself in that high regard or we hold ourselves in that high regard, but more or less 
that wouldn't not necessarily just get to talk about this on a daily basis if you know what i mean like having these kind of conversations i'm not like you know going to work and i'm like hey lgbtq stuff in gaming let's talk about that today you know it's like it's not a normal conversation that we get to have in our daily lives so the fact that we get to use our platform to bring people in to have these kind of conversations is seriously a really gratifying thing for me so i seriously I said seriously like a hundred times, but I appreciate you coming on the show to do this. It really means a lot. Absolutely. And just so you know, you can integrate as many times in a normal conversation, anything about queer excellence, and it just flows so easily. So you just have to mention it once. I promise you any queer person would love to talk about themselves for hours and hours and hours. Speak from experience. <laughs> well, that's what you're here for. That's, I'm, here, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that you all agreed to change the name of the uh, podcast to Ivan Cast. That's pretty wild. So thank you very it was, much. It was, it was a very bold choice. It was very bold. It was very, um, you know, it was bold, but it wasn't a hard choice to make. I mean, who, who or what else could be more interesting to talk about, Ivan? Honestly. Truly. I'll, I'll wait. Should we give a moment for everyone to chime in? No, I'm just kidding. Please don't. don't Why waste our time? <laughs> Instead of a moment of silence, we'll, we'll do a moment of gratification for um, us paving the way for you to finally um, realize your true potential, I guess, as it were. You're literally talking to the person at a birthday dinner or lunch who says, okay, do we want to go around the table and everyone say a favorite memory of me? I've like <laughs> 33 years running. And if you, and if you think okay. that's just a, a quip, I promise you, ask anyone I know that has happened. And not even birthdays. I mean, we'll just take a trip anywhere and I'll be like, let's kill time. What are features of me you've noticed have increased in a positive way recently? Like, what, what do you want? So <laughs> I all jokes aside. Like Tell, Tell me about that. myself. Yeah. You know, you know, Ivan, I actually have the perfect story for you. And it just happened to me yesterday. Um, I'm sure these two are tired of hearing my teaching stories, but this is going to, for a moment, turn into the Shay and Ivan cast. Bear with us. Um, so Japan is obviously not known for being about the individual and complimenting people. It can be a struggle for a lot of people and bearing their feelings. I'm sitting in my sixth grade elementary school class after having taught them. Um, they're doing math, and I was just kind of chilling in there, hanging out, working on some stuff on my, tablet, my uh, work tablet. Um, and after that class, they had this kind of like end of the day meeting, end of the week meeting. And there's this, this girl standing at the front and there are like 15 students standing up and they're all talking Japanese. And I, I'm catching words, bits and pieces here, but I don't understand what's going on. What I thought was happening was they were just saying like, this girl was the leader of the class and they're all saying like reflecting on the week, the things that happened well, the things that she did well, stuff like that. I wasn't sure what was going on. So they'd say things to her and she'd be say, she'd say thank you very much and it'd be very formal. There's the bowing and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden I hear from the teacher's tablet because <laughs> he typed the Japanese and translated it to English. Do you want to say anything kind to, mo- uh, to the student? I almost said her name. Uh, to the student. And I was like, me? And he's like, yeah. And then I at that moment realized everybody was standing up to say kind words to the student. And that was for 10 to 15 minutes what people did, just like feeding this this girl positivity and kind words. And I'll, as you told me that story just now, Ivan, I was like, you know what? If that was Ivan, I guarantee you he would have felt right at home, right at that moment. 
That's fair. I can also give a compliment to you, though. I don't mind sharing the spotlight, right? I would love to say nice words about her, whoever she is. She's great. Yeah, no, it, it was fun. It was funny because then I was like, guys, just a moment. And then I'm like sitting there typing on the tablet and I have like four students surrounding me, watching me what I'm doing and everyone's just staring at me and I, I'm noticing them out of my peripherals and I'm trying to type as quick as I can, like fingers flying everywhere and orchestrating my masterpiece. And then, um, yeah. And the students were really happy with it. She was really happy with it. So it's just basically like, you're a wonderful student. You always work really hard in English class and I appreciate everything you do. Thank you very much. And she's like, oh, thank you so much. And then that was the moment. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. But seriously, one more time, and seriously, two more times, thank you for being here. Let's get into this. So um, I, I don't really know. Like, I was thinking about this, and I didn't really know exactly where and how I wanted to start this conversation because I've been I, – just to give a little bit of backstory – um, again, the Shay and Ivan podcast, so bear with me for one more minute. I was doing a lot of research these past few weeks um, about games that have LGBTQ representation in gaming. Um, I've been speaking to a few ace friends here in Japan. Um, I've been talking with other various people over the past few weeks. I've been looking at various um, scientific studies and papers and journals and reports. I've been pouring all over all of this stuff because I, I really wanted to do this topic justice because I realized that when we talk about LGBTQ representation in gaming, there's a lot of knowledge. And I, I wanted to acknowledge that right off the bat because I know for some people that it can be really overwhelming. And... I myself have been overwhelmed sometimes when I'm looking at some of the stuff and I kind of get lost in the weeds and I get really worried. I'm, I'm like, I, I want to do justice by this, but it's so overwhelming to read all this information and to read how basically things that I've loved throughout my entire life are, are a disservice to th this community of people. And it can be really overwhelming. And then I sometimes admittedly have felt like, oh, it sucks out the humor in some things, or it sucks out the enjoyment in some things, like I'm sure other people have, and I get lost in my own selfishness for the moment. And um, and so, like, I was doing all this research, kind of having this reckoning with myself um, these past few weeks, um, as has gone on throughout my entire adult life, of the things that I grew up with not necessarily benefiting everybody, you know? and. I think that this topic is such a, a thing that is has come up in recent um recently within the community because obviously it's such a it's not necessarily a, a new concept. It's just that we as a society are starting to approach closer to equality and equity than I think we've ever been. And that's in Western culture. Obviously there are examples that show towards the opposite but i also think there's been a lot of progress that's being made so i wanted to kind of talk about this more in a positive light than a negative light i don't want to sit here and um shit on gaming companies and journals journalists and people for not doing a good enough job because i think that that's really easy for us to do i i do want to talk about all things but i i do also want people to walk away from this conversation 
with a positive viewpoint going forward and a feeling of not being overwhelmed. Um, and so that's kind of like where I want to start the conversation um, is for, for you, Ivan, I obviously um, being a part of this community and being a, an avid gamer for as long as you have, you've probably had so many positive and negative experiences in your life dealing with that. So one of the first questions I wanted to ask you is, can you remember the first time or a time when you felt the level of inclusivity within a game or the gaming community made you happy and excited for the future? Oh, gosh. Um, That is a... So as far as from a queer lens, so seeing some representation in a game? Yes. Yes. Oh, oh, gosh. I guess... That's a tough one because I've, like you said, represent, representation is getting better, right? But if you're not playing the right games, you may not. Um, like I didn't play The Last of Us, I, I'm, or The Last of Us Two, so I'm sorry if I'm the only person listening or speaking to this that didn't play that game. Um, I have absolutely no. no you you, you well to apologize for that. <laughs> I, I know that it's it, it's become queer canon, right? Um, in, as far as games are concerned, I just. I think it. I think it's ga- the first time in a game where I saw queer representation for me, and this is such a strange kind of. I guess, if I'm being honest, it's my interpretation. But did you ever play Mortal Kombat three, like a long million years Hell ago? Hell yeah! So, the first time I ever played as Sindel, and I just thought like this character, mm. and I was maybe nine years old, right? And super ahead of my time, obviously, because I'm um, positive things, right? And I just remember playing and being like, Sindel's a queer character. A hundred percent sure. I'm 200,000 percent sure. As like a nine-year-old yeah. kid. And seeing yeah. that, and, and, and like, I, Sindel is by no means the best character in Mortal Kombat. Probably one of the worst, actually. It's not, none of the, ni- none of the ninjas, none of that. But I just I remember, remember literally, that. I would never stop playing. That was my character for that, for that time being, Mortal Kombat 3, Sindel. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, like, how weird for a kid to be drawn to an individual. I, I created a storyline. If there's a storyline, I, I don't need to know it um, because it would ruin <laughs> my, my memories. But I was so drawn to it and just thinking, like, I've, and I've, this is a ba- balance of always choosing, you know, feminine characters in games. Like, Super Mario Brothers 2, I was always Peach. B- because she's a woman, I don't know, because she could jump and fly and the only one that could hover. Like, all these cool traits. So I think that that was actually, for me, the first instance of drawing a parallel between a character and it was a long time ago like i've, I've been around the block a few times I'm, I'm an old man in my own perspective but that is <laughs> right that's age 21. 21 yeah god can you imagine pushing 80 or something who knows just just drawing that parallel i've always i've always <laughs> and i and i talked about it with friends too and i and you know when you're younger and uh, on the topic of fighting games I always say like, hey, when you play Street Fighter to my to my queer friends, I'm like, who did you used to play when you were younger? And a lot of us, and this is mostly uh, gay men, but a lot of us always say Vega, because there is that ambiguity of Vega where it's like the the very very feminine masculine character, like and just playing Williams almost, almost. Yeah, exactly yeah. dancing Spanish in general, you know, on on the on the uh, fence, and just these like. You know, there's there's also reasons why so many games are just so prominent in queer community. Like I'm, it's no surprise either. I'm super gay for Pokemon. It's like the best video game that has ever been made, bar none. A one, day one. 
I, I, I will, I will, I will, you know, people say I'll die on the hill. I will literally, if I could have my way, die on the hill. But it's so, if you go on Twitch and just go on a random uh, Pokemon um, Twitch stream, I guess it's called. Yeah. Every, every other streamer is incredibly queer and just living their best life. And all of their followers are having the best time. And this game and this energy just attracts the community and there's nothing. It, Pokemon is by by and large very um, cisgendered, heteronormative. There, are, like, if there's even a queer aspect to it, aside from you know, like I said, if you make storylines for yourself. Um, but it's just so strange that these representations and this idea brings people together. So I'm, I, I, I guess in a future where there is more representation and we're working towards it. We won't have to create these parallels. They'll already exist for us, and we'll have our favorite, you know. There are some some eight-year-old somewhere is playing The Last of Us, and he or she or they are drawn to the character because that's that represents who they are. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't imagine what your life would be like if next year they announced a Pokemon game and it was like a trans lead character how your your life would be fucked like you would not get anything done i would never never or just the simple you know it's the classic meme are you a boy or a girl right that's the oak the one liner he always says just or or like where do you wait who are you like tell us about yourself non-binary are you are you presenting in a certain gender like don't i don't think sexuality needs to exist in pokemon because they're 10 year olds so like let's you know let's keep it that but just this idea that some somewhere some kid can see that I would lose my mind. I would take off from work. I would never see human beings again, and I'd be fine with it. <laughs> yeah. Do, I mean, do you think while, while like we're we're branching there, like you talked a lot about uh, like MK3 and like sort of making your own storylines for characters, and whether it be in that context, I, I think kind of all of us to some degree probably did stuff like that as kids. Do you think like that's more ben- more or less beneficial than having it like spelled out for you? Because even outside the terms of sexuality, I think fighting games in particular have always lent themselves well to being like you're sort of building up a, a bigger than what's presented persona around a character. Like, I- I'm just curious if you think that that'll still stick around once there's a lot of uh, queer and LGBTQ representation in general in games. Um, I think so. Yeah, if it was spelled out more with prominent main characters, I, that would be a lot better, right? Because then you could yeah, just yeah. follow the lore, follow the the, the storyline, engage in the actual gameplay. Um, but but the the seeing yourself in a character because a lot of you know when you're older, it's easier to you know you, you're you're in your thirties, you identify as queer, you see queer characters, you're like, okay, we are one and the same. Your struggles are mine. But when you're younger. And you don't necessarily have a label for anything yet. You you may not be able to identify like if there's a queer character, um, and then they outwardly come out queer. You're like, okay, well, I'm not ready for this label yet. Versus the idea that you create the storyline and you see just a character, no labels. You draw your own parallel. So I would like to say that, and this may be over romanticizing it, and I apologize for that. But I would like to say that creating your own parallel will always be worth its weight, even if there are outwardly um, queer gaming characters. But um, half the fun of playing a video game, right? It's putting yourself in that universe and just getting lost in it. So mm-hmm. it was that, that magic where if you, if you it may, you know, make up your own storyline, that's always fun. Like headcanon is just fun in general. I think. Yeah. I, I, I want to say 
the representation matters for having more, but I hope that there's always that spark of that ambiguity where someone could have the fun into their process. Cool. Yeah. I think that makes sense for fighting games, for sure. I mean, this is a tiny bit tangential. Um, I think, you know, there's a time and a place for certain games that spell it out a little bit more because that can be that can serve as you putting yourself in someone else's shoes which is i think in the case of something like the last of us 2 which is what more so they were going for is putting yourself in someone else's shoes but then there's also games that flourish on the ambiguity so you can insert yourself into their shoes it all I, I and maybe you agree with this maybe you disagree with this ivan that's kind of why i'm posing it um there's benefit to both. Yeah, I mean, can you just make to make sure I understand what you're saying? So the you're saying that the storyline in a non-fighting game, so where where sexuality is part of the main storyline, right? Is that where where you're going with that? Or well, yeah, kind of like so. Example, I I don't know if you and I think Ivan, you ended up getting some time. I don't know if the other guys did. I had messaged them about this game called One Night Hot Springs. Um, it is a visual novel game. It is a very short free game on Steam. Um, basically about these these three friends that go to a hot springs and the main character is a trans character. And they're afraid to go into a hot spring in Japan because uh, it's not as widely accepted here. And so you kind of play through this character and there's a level of you're not imagining yourself in this person's shoes you are essentially witnessing what this other person goes through and it serves both as kind of a perspective and kind of educational in some ways because it not only is teaching you about what it's like to exist in the lgbtq community but also partially of japan as well um that obviously for me i don't think i would ever want to put myself in the shoes of that character not because there's anything bad with it but because that's not the intention of the game whereas obviously something that is a little bit more ambiguous like a fighting game or um where you are playing a character as an avatar like cyberpunk 2077 not saying that game has a good example of lgbtq representation just saying that's a game of an example of an avatar um, i don't think it has good representations of sexuality of human beings at all that is very very <laughs> true um as fun as that game is but um <clears throat> anyways like Examples like that where you are trying to place yourself in that, in that person's shoes and you are kind of curating this story based off of how you immerse yourself in the story. So like those two examples are kind of what I'm saying there. Like there's a purpose and a positive aspect to each one of those. I, and, I, and I did play a couple of rounds of One Night in Hot Springs before um, I got to be on the call. And the first round, I don't, is that a spoiler? No, right? I can tell how it ended for me. Yeah, I mean it's it's like twenty minutes long. Go for it. I had I had a uh, first round. I had bad. I had a bad ending, and the game was not shy about I telling too. you. That. The game is like, uh, you didn't do it, and um, uh, and I and I answered. I, I thought I answered truthfully what I would do in my perspective. Like, okay, this is how I would answer these questions, and it ended poorly, which is not reflecting on my self esteem. But then I played again. <laughs> I, I played again, and I thought, okay, if I wanted to live in a world where things where there were no consequences right in a world where there are no consequences how would i how would i approach and i got a good ending i got a uh, good ending erica 2 
So that's exactly what happened to me, dude. I got the bad ending first and then the good ending Erica too. That's exactly what happened. And I felt really good about myself because I am, um, you know, I, I am cisgender. I don't, I, uh, and it's always, um, uh, my experiences with the trans, with, uh, my transgender members in the community, it's, it's very limited, unfortunately. And so I, I, a lot of my understanding is through media, through um, limited conversation with friends, but playing the game, I think, you know, the expectation is as a cisgender person, I got to experience something and learn a little more because again, my initial reaction ended up the bad ending. But, but when I became more aware of, you know, living, living fearlessly, right. That's, that's not cliche, but it is, but if I began living fearlessly and just doing the answers where I thought this is, this would be a better experience for me. It worked out. And that's yeah. and that's got to be like an incredible feeling for someone. And I'm and I am uh, I'm willing to bet there is some more than one person on this planet who have literally experienced that ex- that game in real life. Maybe not in Japan, maybe somewhere else. But they've literally experienced that, and they just know exactly how to play the game to win, even though they may not have won their first round. Right. Well, that's a really good point. Is like because the way you approached is approached it is the exact way that I approached it is like if I was a trans person and I had these options of you know coming out and how I come out and everything to the various people that you encounter in this visual novel how would I go about that and that's what ended up leading to the bad ending but then I I was like okay let's recontextualize this if there if we exist in a world where there I don't have to fear for my life you know being a trans person um playing as this character i don't have to fear any kind of great reprisal or anything i can i can comfortably somehow it kind of exist with within this world and then that's what le- led me to get the good ending and i think that's intentional i think that i i, I obviously i would have to ask the developers themselves if that was their intention but i think the intent there is for you to experience the bad ending first because there i think the whole point of that is like okay this is how you would approach it obviously cautiously because this is the world we live in now experience it again in a different way and i think it further more cements itself that way because it fast forwards you through a lot of the dialogue you've already done and this obviously is not a review of the game because we can talk about it later but i think that those kind of experiences are really valuable because for me it i mean just this one 20 minute game allowed me to realize that kind of the the things that i take for granted the things that rich and josh probably take for granted that you and not just you, but anybody in the LGBTQ community don't have the luxury of, which is, you know, I don't have to fear consequences near as much, you know, in these kind of situations in the real life um, experiences that I have. And I think that games are really valuable for that. And I think that's why um, part of the reason why I wanted to have this conversation, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I, and I would imagine that there are, um, I'm not sure how popular this game is, if it's, if it's like spreading and just, I, hopefully it's gaining some traction, but I bet there are a lot of uh, struggling trans individuals, maybe children, maybe teens, maybe adults who play this game for the happy ending, 
because they they know how they they know the the path, but they they live a life where they're closeted. They haven't been able to express and to open up and to come out, and and that's being you know in in twenty twenty one the world. So um, I would it would be super cool yeah. to do like an empirical study on it, right? And to sort of view how students navigate their first or not students, how children and then adults. And then uh, from queer individuals and from um, heterosexual individuals and just sort of see how there's like where their ties are. Because you and I walk two different paths, but we got the same results. And I would like I would yeah. be super into seeing, you know, if, if you broke this up to like 100 people, if there if there are patterns, if there if there's not, if there's just some, you know, where, where the similarities are. Randomity to it, yeah. yeah. How, how different people from different walks tackle it. That is an interesting. It'd be interesting to see that data for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, even something like The Walking Dead did something similar, Telltale's The Walking Dead, where they had certain choices in the game that you could make, and obviously they had all these drastic, emotional, dramatic outcomes, but they had comparisons of, like, oh, this amount of people did this, this amount of people did that. Oh, yeah, I think all Telltale games do that. Oh, I didn't know that. I haven't played any of the other Telltale games. Yeah, because I remember specifically playing, like, Batman and all those ones where at the end you'd see you made a choice that, like, 3% of people made, and I was like, oh, God, what did I... Did I do something wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, I mean, that data would absolutely be valuable and interesting, I think, especially if enough people played this game. Um, It is Hmm. free, though. Uh, That's the cool thing. But anyways, one one of the things you mentioned earlier, Ivan, um, regarding games was Pokemon you had mentioned that there's this very much a heteronormative narrative um, with the game. Obviously, I'm sure if you were to look deep enough into each of the games, you could probably find some things a little slightly contrary to that. But for the most part, yeah, it is a very heteronormative game, both in the the narrative itself and the community around it. But um, I, I think you also have a good point that there is also a large swath of people that are LGBTQ that kind of gravitate toward this game, at least in my experience being on Twitch. And it's kind of interesting because I was reading a study um, this past week. I was kind of, it's a very long uh, paper. Um, and it's by a, it was conducted by a person named Bonnie Ruberg. Uh, they're an assistant professor at UC Irvine. Irvine? 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 Irvine. Okay. Had it. Talking about straight washing within the game Undertale. Um, now I was not familiar with the term straight washing until reading this study. Um, are you, I'm, I'm sure you are, but are you fairly familiar with that term, Ivan? I know I've heard it. Uh, I'm, I I know it's, it's probably up to the same scale as like whitewashing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, basically what this study talked about is in Undertale, the creator of this game has a lot of things in his game that are anti, uh, anti-norm for the games that this uh, game was emulating and just gaming in general. Um, has There's a queer couple in there. There are some ga- uh, characters in there that are androgynous or that are cl- undefined. There are things on the walls that you can see um, advertising a, a fictional gay club. There are all these various things. But when the game first came out, it is one of the highest rated games to date still. That of the, of the many major publications that talked about this game, only a few of them mentioned 
a, a lot of these different, um, <clears throat> excuse me, nods and obvious um, parallels to what happens in the LGBTQ community. Um, only three major publications were willing to talk about that aspect. And that's what it kind of, and, and uh, excuse me, sorry, there's a lot of thoughts going on in my head. Also talking about how a huge part of the fan base for this game is um, cis, uh, cisgendered white males, which is kind of perplexing considering the game's content and whatnot. So this professor was kind of breaking down this straight washing of it where reporters don't really talk about the elements of the LGBTQ elements in the game, which are very pervasive in this game. Um, now, obviously, obviously you haven't really heard, you haven't heard that term much. I haven't heard to that term much, but do you think that is a, a major problem within this industry right now? This kind of straight washing of certain things. Well, just from your from your explanation, which I really appreciate you sharing that study and for breaking it down, that was um, that was really awesome. Uh, I I you know I'm gonna bring it back to Pokemon and I, and I'm yeah, gonna talk do. about I was how hoping it's, you such would a, it's such a hit <laughs> game, actually. right? Um, Pokemon rewards breeding, right? Which is reproduction, right? I, I, you you breed and you breed until you get the right Pokemon. That's inherently like re- reproduction is inherently heteronormative. Is not a queer. Um, consequence i'm not saying that there are not the ability there are uh, people from the queer community can reproduce obviously but it's it's not um reproduction and breeding is definitely heteronormative but this is if you want to win the game and you want to be the best which as we all know from the lyrics to the song that's what you try to do you have to breed the right pokemon and so you're you're just you're you're falling into this heteronormative behavior right which i think is falling into what uh straight washing is right so you're just breeding 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 Reproducing your Pokemon, you're making the, you're finding the best best attributes, best traits, uh, best everything, and so you're you know and you're rewarding yourself for that. You're not just going out there and finding the right kind, and 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 the right Pokemon, and then like leveling up and calling it a day. You literally are like, doing all the eggs for all that fun stuff. So um, I can definitely see that. I can probably also um, see that in other character and other video games too, where it might be a lot easier and maybe in the a lack of better terms, I wonder if a lot of designers and uh, gaming uh, creators find it more palatable still, right? And that's the, that's the right term, but a lot more palatable to figure out ways to introduce queer elements in such a manner that not queer, non-queer individuals will appreciate more uh, because the queer individuals make up a smaller percentage of the population. But it's something that I will definitely not, I will always moving forward think about because I didn't, think about it before and now i can't i'm obsessed with the idea of looking for that in every game i play yep yeah like even just thinking about pokemon um one of the examples i thought of was ditto which is a character that i believe is non-gendered am i correct guys ditto is non-gendered yeah ditto is right also a part of every egg group and when you mentioned pokemon breeding i instantly think of like well you gotta have ditto ready to go Uh yeah exactly and one of the things is i remember I remember in in the past when you would breed with the I almost called him dildo. I don't know what my How do you know going. what I nicknamed my ditto? <laughs> <laughs> um when you would breed with dildo <laughs> That was intentional. <laughs> Out of my brain. <laughs> now now you're now you're queer washing. You get it. We see it. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> 
No, when I would breed the with the podcast dildo, is breeding with dildo. G- dildo with good <laughs> stats. Just yeah. yeah. Oh man. Good ivies. For- when I would breed with di- ditto, I almost did it again. I remember in the past, you know, friends would make the joke that oh, ditto's the slut of Pokemon. You know, and it's and, and you know back in back in the days that was funny. That was a funny joke you would make. Could you make the case that that would be straight washing? The one one of the very few non-binary Pokemon and calling it a slut. I mean, would that be straight washing? I don't know. Or maybe it's just a turn. And like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to go out of my way because I'm sure some people at this moment are groaning like, okay, you're fucking, you're, 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 you're stretching, you're looking for shit. But at the same time, I don't know is the thing. That's why I'm posing it. You know what I mean? Maybe it, maybe it is stretching. Maybe that is straight washing. I don't know. I mean, Ditto's not the only non-binary, right? All the, almost all the legendary Pokemon and the um, the uh, mystical Pokemon or mythical Pokemon, rather, they're they're also non-binary too. They can't breed at all. So there's definitely that idea, right? I don't. Uh, also, I don't. I don't know if those jokes would fly anymore today. Uh, but I, I'm guilty of myself using Ditto a trillion times. So it, it just it makes, makes breeding, breeding so much, so much easier. easier. So mm-hmm. much easier. Yeah, but at the yeah, like even then, at the same time, it's like the one non-binary character. All all we ever do is use it. We never like use it for breeding. We never actually use a ditto in combat. Like if you're going to competitive, I never take play, ditto out of the daycare. Right. Exactly. So I mean, like that that kind of stuff is like interesting for me. Granted, I I don't know if I would say that straight washing. I don't have enough experience and knowledge to know that, but. Thinking about Ivan's example, for me, it's causing me to think more about that in other games, and I'm definitely going to be thinking about it going forward. Not that I'm trying to look and be like, oh, look at you doing that thing, but also I want to look at it with an objective lens because I want to be more inclusive. So, um, I think you, you've made me think about that stuff more because it's funny, Shay, you mentioned the Undertale thing because I played plenty of Undertale, and I'm probably guilty of like not addressing those things if I ever wrote anything about Undertale. And it didn't come from, like, a pure place of malice, and I think it, like, it just makes me want to be more fineful of that stuff, because I saw all that stuff, I thought all that stuff was cool, but it didn't directly affect me, so I probably didn't think too much about mentioning it. And, like, that's, that's a problem in itself. Um, right. It's something I'd like to be, you've made me think, like, thinking about that, I'm like, I'd like to be more mindful of that. But hopefully, it, but it's probably more, and I've never played that game, so I don't have a lot of feedback to give you, and I'm sorry, but I wonder if there are queer players who do see it, and they and they would, they, you know, it's time for them to set the stage and speak about it, right? Because that's another big totally. part of, of, of uh, queer representation in gaming. It's not just the characters, but it's also the gaming community itself, and the people writing about the gaming community, and the individuals behind, right? And so allowing the, you know, allowing me my space to go on for three hours about why I think Sendell is like a queer icon right and go on and on and on but for <laughs> actual you know and people that like that professor at uc irvine um to to actually do the, do the work and to bonnie bonnie, bonnie, bonnie ruber bonnie ruber awesome and 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 just sort of i don't know i'm learning that so what this is a tangent i apologize but i'm in a doc program right now i'm getting my phd in education and i um and focusing on disability studies and I'm super into it. It's I'm, I'm starting my second year, but one of the first lessons I learned when I was spoken to, when I spoke to my mentor was 
I went in with this eagerness about wanting to really find ways in education to 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 be um, a, a speaker, a speaker, and, a, and, a, and amplify the voices of individuals with disabilities. And he looked at me, and he's and this is through Zoom because we live in that world now. So it was like a weird conversation because we're not really in Spanish there. But he looked at me and yeah. he said, yeah. "You can do all of the amplifying and the speaking, but at the end of the day, the people." who are experiencing the trauma and who are, who are trying to have their voices heard are going to be spoken over and, and you're going to be taking their stage away from them. And you're, t- you're taking a research project from someone that could be, you know, and I, and that really hit me really hard. And, um, because it made me, it made me realize I don't want to take that space away. Like I don't, I, I want to contribute in an academic manner, but I also don't want to be, uh, cause I don't, I, I don't consider myself to have any disabilities and I, I don't want to be someone who speaks on behalf of a community that I'm not a part of. And, um, to the point where, uh, about, uh, queer scientists, queer bloggers, queer people just talking to their friends, I would love for them to be the ones that lead the conversation and, 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 and um, receive feedback. Right. It's not one of those situations where I, I think that only queer people should speak on it and should extrapolate on that. And I don't think I don't fault anyone for not noticing it either, because there are many and I just, you know, we can probably be called out myself on just not picking up on nuances of creativity in games. But I just think mm-hmm. that would it we, we need to be in a, in a mindset where we make that space and we provide those platforms for those individuals and we encourage them and we give them the um, the floor and actively engage and create a dialogue to encourage. Because if you strike gold and you feel supported and um, accepted and heard, you're going to, you're going to use your talents to keep finding more. And I think that would just be really awesome to see more, uh, podcasts from queer gamers and streams from queer gamers and allies such as yourself engaging with queer gamers and, and sort of creating that liminal space for everyone to feel accepted. That's the sort of, when Rich said that, like I didn't pick up and then I'm like, that's, that's totally cool. You didn't pick up on that. And I hope someone does pick up on it and I hope they run with it and like keep running yeah. until they make it like truly mm-hmm. their, their voice. Yeah, absolutely. I I know in Toronto, uh, there's another study I read um, from a from a person who was in the Toronto Gamers, spelled G A Y M E R S community, and it's a, apparently a very big, thriving community in Toronto that involves gaming in all aspects, not just video games, tabletop games, and card games, and things of that nature. It's supposed to be a really big community, um, very. F- apparently a very famous community. I hope that those kind of communities, especially centered around gaming, start popping up more in cities. I'm sure there's probably one in New York, Rich, that you'd know about or if you could research and find. Uh, Ivan, probably same yeah, thing in LA. That. Absolutely. Oh, there's subreddits for all the uh, gaming that with the Y communities and the and just sort of the um, the hubs and whatnot for those groups not Toronto's probably a lot larger but um you you never know it's hard with the pandemic I'm just really happy that those areas exist same and that there are leagues oh sorry go ahead oh no I was just gonna say and there's like queer leagues and just um organizations and clubs all over the country even all over the world despite that sometimes it's not as accepted all over the world right but Game, yeah. From games to sports to just anything recreational, really, you, you're gonna find your um, your people, and it's, yeah. really, it's really empowering to know. It's cool because so just important. like 
even even a decade ago, like there weren't even half as many resources as there are now. I would imagine a hundred percent. Even it's so wild. A decade ago is a different. Think about what you saw on television a decade ago. Think about the the way you spoke about people a decade ago, and think about how it would one trillion percent not fly in today's in today's world. Yeah, yeah. in our world, and we're, we're we live uh-huh. in like the West, like quote unquote the privileged West or whatever. But um. It's just, and then you take it back because I I came of age. Is that how you say when you turn eighteen? Is that like the the pronoun like I yeah, came of age? I, you come of age. I don't think I've ever said it, but I think you're right. <laughs> uh, in two thousand five, two thousand six, and in in this in this weird uh, pre uh, MySpace was just hitting it off, and there was uh, and a lot of people don't know this, but there used to be a, a queer MySpace called Downlink, and it was. Very 2004 internet web face, if you know what I mean. A lot of blue everywhere. A lot of embedded like, MP3 player. Exactly. Put your favorite Christina track <laughs> on your page, <laughs> um, and it created a subculture. Uh, at least in the uh, in California, and I, I don't know um, outside of the state because I was again 17, 18. But it created this culture where you you create a, a new language where if you want to find out if someone is is out and or gay or queer, you would ask them if they're down. Because, you know, like, oh, are you down? And which is such a passive statement. Like, it's, it usually means, oh, I'm, I want to do that. I'm, I'm into it. But down, in this case, it's from downlink. Because you you, there were no smartphones. There was no anything like that. And just mm. this community of individuals who knew this language. And it's sort of like, are you familiar with the hanky code? This is just getting real. Yeah. The, the no, hanky no, code, go into uh, it. Please, no, go. In the queer community, go uh, into it. Uh, to indicate your uh, sexuality, you would, or not sexuality, your sexual preferences, rather, you would um, place on either your left or your right pocket a different colored bandana or a handkerchief. I remember this. Okay, I remember this now. Yes. And so it's this idea where you, you, you um, and to, to build a sense of community, to, to have that safety, because back then, in, when, the, when the hanky code was really uh, up and running, um, right where the civil rights and all that fun stuff, uh, way before then, actually, but... Um, you 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 give subtle clues, and you you wanna you don't you wanna feel safe. You can't you you know gay bars are not prominent. You can't just go anywhere and, and mm-hmm. floor up with a guy. In my case, without the fear of you know, uh, uh, like uh, uh, incarceration or violence. So yeah, yeah. you have these yeah. these niche ways, and they're so complicated, but they're also really cool, and they're super creative and artistic, and they're fun, and they speak to humankind. And now in 2021, you literally just t- put. Pull up on your phone, and you can find the nearest queer person who is looking to have sex, and how close they are to you, or they want to be your friend. And it's so easy, and it's so passive, and it's still beautiful because it's it's a luxury that we take for granted. But ten years ago, man, could you imagine? That'd be wild. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. That's the internet sped up like social changes in, in on not completely obviously but in like certain scales in in such a, a weird weird good way sometimes weird shit happens because of it but uh, <laughs> i like to think about the positive end of it yeah absolutely like, even thinking about one of one of my favorite movies when i was a teenager and um in my early 20s 40 year old virgin you guys remember that uh conversation when uh Paul Rudd's character and Seth Rogen's character are playing video games. I believe they're actually playing Mortal Kombat, I think. Yeah, and um, one of them's using a GameCube enough. controller and one of them's using an N64 controller, and I think about that all the time, and I hate it. <laughs> no, that's not... That's not <laughs> that wasn't the takeaway there, but... That enough. was your point, right, Shane? <laughs> that was your, your leading up to? Yeah, yeah, that was... Anyways, yeah, that was what he was on, driving no. home at. No, but, like, when they're 
talking about, you know, how I know you're gay. And then they're like just ripping into each other. And that was funny at oh, the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I will admit, I thought that was funny at the time. And, um, yeah, I could never imagine that scene existing in a movie in 2021 ever. And rightfully so, it shouldn't exist, by the way. Let me make that very clear. If us not talking about this isn't clear enough, I don't condone that in 2021. But yeah, just thinking about how much our language has changed and everything. And actually, this is a really good point to where, because the next question I have, um, it's probably the hardest question for me to ask, to be honest with you, but um, it's a good transition to it. So I want to be selfish for a moment and confess something to you all both the three of you and the listeners. I used to really be into playing Call of Duty back in the late 2000s and early 2010s. Um, so the next question I have, moving on from that, because that's all you I dropped out to on say. the word that mattered. Mm. No, for, for real, though. Um, no, for real, though. Really... You dropped out on the word that mattered. I don't know what you're I'm going to redo it. Give me a <laughs> oh, second. I'm sorry. Fuck. No, you confused me. <laughs> No, but thank you for letting me know. Um, I was going to say, I used to be really into playing Call of Duty. Call of Duty. Call of Duty. There we go. Back in the late 2000s and early 2010s. Um, For those of you who gamed during that time online, that's kind of where the origin of calling people names through your headset with no recourse or any consequences generally happened. But anyways, while I wasn't nearly as prolific as my peers, I do want to admit this publicly, that there were times that I let fly hurtful terms in my frustration. Uh, some, of, some offensive terms were a part of my vocabulary during that time. And honestly, among them were terms that would be hurtful to people in the LGBTQ community. Um, not very proud of it, but I do want to acknowledge that here, um, now that we're having that kind of conversation. If there are people out there like me, Ivan, um, in your personal opinion, what is the best course of action to right some of those wrongs and reconcile the guilt that we feel for participating in those behaviors in a time where it was more accepted and it was more commonplace? Um, a Facebook message 15 years after I last spoke to you that you remember that you said that to me in my face. That's the absolute best. And, I'll, and I say that because I have had that happen from people who they will say, awesome. oh, I remember when we were in seventh grade, when I like, I'm not going to, I'm comfortable using slurs, but I know this podcast probably, it's not the right place, so I'm not going to. But I, um, <laughs> someone was like, I used to call you an F word all the time. And like, I'm really sorry. And it's like, great. I really appreciate that. I do not remember. And I am happy that you had that growth. I think the idea that um, those moments of who you were, you know, that they should you shouldn't have to i mean unless you unless someone like re, you, you you have individuals who you really hurt i'm like like i said like in, in this case is like i if you're some people are tougher than others in the sense that they'll they are um not going to hold that in they they understand the world is a ugly place for them because of the cards they were dealt and they know that they may not be where they are supposed to be they're not they have to find their community and it's not here some people hold it really tightly I don't necessarily know um, if you need to make like a, a amends for that behavior because all all kids are kids, all you know, young adults are young adults. I really think that um, the best thing you can do is reform and 
and be the change you want to see in the world, right? Where you, you you can't go back and change it. You can't you can't take that. You can't not say the word. Um, I think that it's also really interesting, and I don't mean this in this case right now, but some in my in my personal experience, some of the people that were the most vicious to me growing up and just like the so cruel to me about um, being queer, they are now living openly queer, and that's wild. And you hear about it, and you think such a cliche, right? But it's just a lot of people who harbor that intense negativity look for outlets to push against themselves. And some people that aren't like that are just kids living in the time where it's acceptable. And, you know, we, 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 we grow, we evolve, and the world changes. But I, I hope that you, as just someone who went through that, I hope you know that those were strangers on the internet that may or may not have been really affected by it. You may have done damage, you may not have done damage. You probably were the only person that said it to them. You were probably one of 100,000 people that said it to them. But the, the the best course of action is to reflect on your childhood and become, you know, the in the future, if you see children or young adults or teenagers engaging in that kind of uh, language, be, be the one that says, hey, like, what's, like, knock it off, or however you could do that in a way cooler way. Um, I have a 13-year-old <laughs> nephew. And he's the product. Like my, my brother and I are two very, very, very different people. Um, and it's he's such a weird kid in that regard because he's being raised by two very strange people. But I hear him playing with his friends. Um, what is what is it called? Uh, Fortnite, probably. Fortnite and Apex, right? That's the that's yeah. what the kids play. Yes, Mi- Minecraft. Are the thirteen year olds still playing Minecraft? I, miss those I think so. Maybe yeah. Yeah. some of them, at least. Yeah. And I'll hear him talk. And he's got, he's, he's got a little potty mouth, but I don't hear him drop, or I don't hear him or his friends drop any homophobic slurs. And that's kind of cool, because you don't, you know, that's that's progress. That's in the right direction. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I don't know. I again, I'm very biased because I, um. At, from my perspective, and I've rationalized, I, 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 the burden of everyone else being cruel becomes my work. Like, I get where you're coming from. I understand that you don't get it. It's not your struggle to get yet, and I'm sorry this confuses you, but I'm going to keep doing me. That has always been sort of, I guess, in, in me that makes me go forward. But I, was, I, I just want to beat yourself up over it. I, just, I, I really, it hurts, it hurts me too when people say that because I know that there's that pain that that lingering and we all go to bed and we all think about that one weird moment 20 years ago that we can't stop thinking about and we want it yep. to go away so badly. But yep. like you, 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 as just such a, as an ally, you just keep putting positivity on the world now and move forward. And to all, and if anyone yeah, I, I know who's listening to this, I doubt, I mean, not that I don't think you have popularity spread. I just don't know people I went to high school listening to this or people that I went to, uh, no, high school for sure. But um, I would never hold it against anyone if they came up to me and said, like, I'm so sorry that I sucked in 2003. I'd be like, didn't we all? We all had bleach hair. Our pants were so big. We were all making terrible choices. <laughs> no, no one, no one gets a pass. But I was into ICP. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was not into ICP, and I want that on the record. <laughs> I wasn't either. I just I like bringing either. that up as an example because I think it's. I'll, 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 I'll uh, take my L's, but that's not one of them. <laughs> that's not what anyone should have to. <laughs> I, I don't know if that makes you feel better or worse. What I just said because I, I couldn't give you a solid answer in regards to your situation. But for anyone no. else, just be cool. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't want a solid answer there. I want. I wanted to use that as an example because I know there are probably a lot of people out there like me who are guilty of that. And 
there are some people that probably want to know kind of how to reconcile that. I know for me, it's been something that I've been dealing with in the back half of my 20s and early 30s is I used to do some really bad things because I, I thought edgy was funny and edgy was the only way to be funny. And edgy was the way that I always outdid my friends. You know, that was that was if like if you go back and listen to our old podcast, we didn't have like any racist or homophobic stuff on there. But I was always the edgy, like always trying to be the edgiest person on there. Josh can vouch for this. I was trying to outdo everybody because I thought edgy was the cool, funny thing to do. And when I played games, part of that sometimes would be dropping those names or those slurs um, out of frustration. Um, and it, it pained me sometimes when I did it. And other times I was like, fuck it, you know, because I'm angry and I'm frustrated at this game. I don't care who I hurt. So I've had to reconcile with that. And I've, I've accepted that I've done those things and I, I regret a lot of, I, I don't, I don't regret them because I did them and it's led me to now understanding why it was wrong in the first place. I don't regret it. I do. There are nights where I'm like, I really wish I wouldn't have done that, you know, or there are situations that remind me of that. And I'm like, I really wish I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't necessarily call it a regret though. I just, I, I acknowledge it and I acknowledge that that there's no way I would ever go back to doing something like that. You regret the ignorance of it, I think, because that's more with what I grapple with, with the same feeling. Like it's, and like Ivan said, I think times are totally different and that doesn't excuse the behavior, but at least you can think like, I know better now and I'm not a fucking idiot who doesn't give a shit about the way other people feel about the crap that's coming out of my mouth. Yeah. Like it's, it's easy to feel bad about it, but the point is, you know better now. There are a ton of fuckwits who still don't know better um, with their own yeah. political party. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. Which one is that, Josh? Which one? <laughs> um, I, yeah. Yeah. I, no. I've, I've tackled with these conversations with my own family members, and I'm not going to out anybody on here um, because I still, the, the family member in question, I still very much love and care about, but um, I've had these conversations with this person regarding um, just the LGBTQ community in general, and it's, it's difficult for some people to grasp and understand that. And as long as I'm continuing to do that going forward, I think that's what helps me reconcile what I've done in the past. So, um, Ivan, one thing you mentioned actually um, earlier when you were talking about disability stuff, and it's one of the battles that I, th- I think I have a hard time dealing with myself is apathy. Um, it's not that some people are blatantly hateful towards people within the community. Some people are, um, but they just come to video gaming as an escape to be happy and to escape real life situations. So what do you think are the best ways to kind of combat that apathy? Or is there even a chance to change apathetic people's mindset? Um, I definitely think that you can curb apathy. I, and I, I don't know if I know the ways to curb apathy, but I do definitely believe that um, the right the right conversation, the right interaction, will spark a sense of action, and to just sort of understand 
there's you know escapism is important right it's 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 important to to get lost in your thoughts once in a while if if sometimes more sometimes less but i definitely in in regards to I don't, I'm trying to like because I'm I'm very conscious of how I want to put this one because I don't want to portray myself in the wrong light and two because yeah. it's a very sensitive subject but in relation to the space where uh, both queer people and people with disabilities live in right it's a very you know it's this idea of um, gosh oh now that I'm on the spot I forgot the word my gosh oh, okay it's okay no I'm so embarrassed this is. Don't be embarrassed. Oh, gosh. Like, yeah, I mixed up the word ditto and dildo. You have nothing to be embarrassed of for the rest of this <laughs> podcast. But to be fair, ditto could take the shape of a dildo, so I get why you were confused. Mm-hmm. It's this idea where you live in these two marginalized communities and you exhibit the best and the worst of both, right? And the more layers to your struggle the harder it is for you because at that point the world you know if you think about if you were queer black disabled female like you are in the the world is truly the system is without a doubt built against you and it is so easy in that position to just say well i can't find my place out of this and that's for that reason that you find in the school to prison pipelines that most of the individuals who are experiencing incarcer- early incarceration are, in fact, uh, female, black, queer, disabled individuals. And it's wild. It's wild because we know it and we're not doing anything about it. And it's so easy for people to become apathetic because they realize that they, and these are children like 12, 13, 14, I shouldn't say children. I'm really bad about uh, using the correct verbiage for age groups. And I really apologize for that. I live in a world of education. So you're either a student or you're not, right? And then I'm trying to remember that not everyone's a student, but that all that said, you you become so conditioned to realize the world's against you and there are not enough voices pulling you out. And so that's where the apathy sets in because it's so much harder and, and you begin to the comparisons and it's like, if I just wasn't X or if I could just get through Y, but in, 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 um, exposure in, 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 actual, you know, I'd say academic work cause it's my school, but in actual people taking the time and putting in the work, you really, you inspire. And that's why teachers are just, you know, phenomenal assets to this world because teachers, I think we talked about this ahead of the show, but they notice and they pick up on traits and instances and they, they, they bridge the gap and they, they hear, they hear the whispers that have been said for years that no one else picks up on because no one's looking to. And I think that, that, um, that just that, that visibility, I think that's what, that cures the apathy, but I don't know how to get there per se. And I don't want to put myself as a subject matter expert because I'm definitely not. And um, <laughs> I, I laughed because I loved your little your little hand gesture that no one's gonna see. I loved that. I'm sorry, that was adorable. Oh uh, no! What do you yeah, mean no one's gonna see this? This isn't one of those video podcasts you see on the TV. It was for a few weeks, and maybe eventually <laughs> it will be again. Uh, well, I guess that's my answer to your question. Intersectionality is the word I wanted to say. So glad I found it. That's it. So glad I found it. Intersectionality. That's it, it, all, the, all the intersectionality just makes it so much harder for people. And then 
like for me, my my my, my life, I live life, and I'm I'm biracial, I'm Latino, and I'm white. But I um, identify more with my Latino side because my father's from Argentina, my mom grew up in Uruguay, and so we very much live that Spanish in the household lifestyle. And being queer and living in that world, that's my reality. I can never live a moment where I'm just one or the other. Like Everything I do will never just be because I'm a queer person. It's because I'm a queer person of color in my, in my right. And that there, when I feel down and when I feel like I've, you know, I, I need to escape because my struggles, it's because those two uh, communities, those two identities, rather, those two identities come together and they, I feel excluded or I feel incapable of a moment. As I get older, and this is the great thing about getting older, or maybe it's just my experience, but as I get older, it's a lot easier to care less about that because you start thinking like, you know what, I'm maybe not doing X right now, but I've got a a shit ton of why going on and I'm going to focus on that and it's chill but it's so much harder for like people that haven't gotten to that point yet and that's why gaming is important people mistakenly all the time say gaming is a young person's world and like games are for kids which is such a lie games are for everyone uh, specifically Pokemon's for everyone normalize adults playing Pokemon I want that on this <laughs> podcast I love that marketing for games is is for kids that's that's what they're mistaking I just, yeah, I, I'm honestly afraid to go any further because I feel like if I continue answering this question, I'm going to lose so much coherency. So I'm going to politely say thank you for that question. <laughs> okay. Well, I yield I, my time. I'll, I'll, con- I'll, I'll uh, divert a little bit. One of the things that I struggle with when I'm teaching is I have students who clearly have the intelligence or they have the capability um, or they have the drive to be good at English. The, the drive in general, like they have the work ethic to be good, but they choose not to be, or they just aren't. And I always, I always struggle because those are the hardest students for me. Like you have students who just literally don't give a shit and I'm never going to fight with those students because that's a losing battle. Like I'll be kind to them. Of course, um, I will still help them when they need help. But if there are students who have just 100% made up their mind, they're not going to like English. I can't fight that. Uh, being in a culture that is Japanese, obviously, being the, the lone foreigner to try and fight against that in my schools is difficult. It's not impossible, but it's incredibly difficult on top of having hundreds of other students. I can only, I'm only one person. I can only devote so much time. And that's something I've had to kind of reconcile over the years. Um. But then there are moments where I, I know that the opportunity presents itself, but I have to kind of fight through the apathy. Um, there's a student, I want to give you guys an example, because I'm selfish, of uh, this one sixth grade student. He used to live in America. His English is very good. He's fluent up until he, a certain point. He, like, he, he sounds natural. He, him and I have conversations where we're using slang. And things of that nature. His English is very good. But the start of this year, he has just been incredibly apathetic in class. Like all the students are laughing, he's sitting there with a straight face. Um, all the students are having a good time, he's kind of just chilling, doing his own thing. And it's 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 bothered me because at the beginning of last year, he was doing such a good job, he was really into the classes and stuff. I don't know what happened. I don't know if there's something at home, what's going on. 
but I, it's, it's bothered me more than it should. And I've been trying to figure out ways to break him out of his apathy. So yesterday after class, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to sit down and force a conversation on him. And that's exactly what I did. I just sat down with him and I said, I talked to him about various things and I asked him, do you still miss America? And he said, not really, sometimes. And then we got in the conversation of it's safer here. And then he talked about, I got, I got him to open up to the point where he was talking about how one time he was going to the convenience store to get something and he saw a guy with a gun holstered on his side. I said, how did that make you feel? And he said, it really scared me. I said, I can understand that living in Japan and being from Japan. And we just sat there and talked for like five to 10 minutes. And then afterwards I said, see you. And then at the end of the day, he was really happy and he said goodbye to me, which was a response I haven't seen from him in over a year. And all it took was one five to 10 minute conversation to break through that apathy, even if it was for one day. Um, and I, I, I kind of relate it to this conversation. Obviously, it's more difficult because we're talking about adults who've had all these various experiences, who have to conflict with their own ignorance and um, deal, deal with the various thing, the various certainties that they've built up within their own mind. But I think if you can find someone who is not completely against having that conversation, who hasn't completely made up their mind, just sitting and having like simple, small conversations possibly will work. I don't know. I obviously, I haven't fully figured out the the solution with my family member, (laughs) but you know, I I think there are those opportunities if they present themselves, if you, Just sit down and talk with them about it. Maybe that helps a little bit. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I'm not saying this is a silver bullet for this problem. Um, But yeah, it's it's something that I really, I try and think about um, when I'm presented with these situations or when I'm thinking about how I would deal with it in the future. Because I, I want people to understand inclusivity is such a beautiful, great thing for everyone. So off my soapbox. I really appreciate that. I'm glad. Thanks. Actually, thank you for saying that. That makes me feel good. It's an affirmation that I like. Uh, I have two more big questions for you, Ivan, and then we'll stop harassing you so much. Um, Though I I have a feeling that you very much enjoy uh, (laughs) us picking your brain, which I appreciate. You're the real star this week. (laughs) Like I said at the beginning of the show, the brightest. So, Twitch is obviously... That, see, exactly. Twitch obviously is not infallible. It has its own set of problems. But one positive aspect to this conversation that I wanted to mention is within the people that I've watched on that, on that app, on that uh, website, whatever you want to call it, almost all of them have instant bans for people who use hateful speech, which includes racism and homophobia. How far does that go, having those instant bans, go to improving the culture around gaming? And talking about in talking about inclusivity. Oh, I think it's a hundred percent the right the right solution. One hundred percent. There's no room for that toxic language because it emboldens and it, it encourages others to participate. And um, especially in Twitch, right? Twitch, Twitch, um, 
a lot of, and I don't know, this isn't a read, and I hope it doesn't get taken in the wrong context, but a lot of um, Twitch streams that are not by queer individuals have the LGBTQIA plus tag on it. And I think that's supposed to be a flag, like, this is a safe spot, right? This, this, mm-hmm. is, this is a place for you to feel welcome. And so that's, that's very important if you're looking for someone to play your favorite video game and you want to feel comfortable, the minute you're in that community, the chat, you know, and any Twitch, the chat's the best part about Twitch. No, the Twitch, the, the, the stream's the best part. That's true. The, twi- the chat's a close second, <laughs> though. And you want to be involved in the conversation. The minute you see, like, a hateful slur, so, so that's, that's it for some people. They feel like, I can't be here anymore. I can't engage. I thought I found a safe spot. Seeing the instant ban reaffirms the commitment to safety and reaffirms the commitment to respect and if you're the individual being banned you might you might just be looking for the shock you might just be looking for you know to be a jerk or that might actually be who you are but being banned and never being able to participate in another group again you you know that's gotta that's gotta go that's gotta follow you and i commend anyone and moderators are cool right because i think the moderators do all the heavy lifting they they really yeah. they are so underappreciated and just they they do such incredible work for keeping places to be safe because so, so like me I would I be offended by that probably would I would it make would it break me no but some people yeah and I would rather live in a world where I know that if you if you claim to be a safe space or even if you don't I would like to imagine that everyone's looking to have a respectful conversation and you should put a tag and be like hey this is a volatile chat anything goes no holds bar be be upfront about it but I definitely would like to just say that those twitch streams are a lot more fun when you feel safe and respected yeah, I know one of the big conversations that's emerged at the beginning of this year, I don't know if it's still a big conversation, is the, actually the LGBTQ tag um, that when we when we stream, we often use, that actually people within the that community were asking that Twitch integrate an ally tag instead because they felt like the LGBTQ tag is, they felt like people were going in and being like, oh, here's another person who actually identifies in this community. And some of them are allies, which they very much appreciate. But the ally tag would be better because these people, some of these people who are talking about this, when they go into these Twitch streams, they're looking for people who are directly in the community because that's what helps them feel safest. And then when they find out it's like a cisgendered hetero white man or woman who is an ally, and that's a great thing but not directly in the community that it's kind of um, feels disingenuous in some way misinformation or miscategorizing it. Sorry. What was that rich? I was asking if like, do you think that's like putting across an air of like that being disingenuous or if it's just like, cause I get what you're saying. Like I, I, it's definitely something that's coming from a good place, but maybe could be taken the wrong way, but I'll, I'll let Ivan speak on that. Cause he obviously has a better perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah sure. I, sure. I appreciate that, but this is going to be another nonsensical response. So thank you, Rich. Um, some people, <laughs> in some definitions of LGBTQIA+, the A dual stands for asexual and ally. And so it's it's open to interpretation. So I, um, where I don't think it's queer baiting, and if it were, that would be a genius plot. Like you, I don't go looking for that tag. <laughs> you just gave some really shitty people an idea. Yeah, I know. 
if you want, uh, and I consider myself, and I don't, this isn't a brag because that's gauche and capitalist, but I consider myself a very collaborative Twitch viewer. I do the, the bits, I subscribe, I throw a few subscriptions for other people. It's it's fun when you're into it and you, and you can, right? But I, I don't necessarily go looking for that tag, but I notice it 100% of the time, right? Mm-hmm. And it, I don't think it's... I, I, I can see that there are people, there are some places where uh, gay bars, they don't want uh, straight people to attend. And like, you're ruining the environment. And that's not my, my bag. My bag about a safe space is that if someone's willing to be in that space, that they obviously understand the, the rules of the game. And they want to be there. And they want to have a good time with their friends. So I, I, for one, say allies absolutely have that tag. Because if, if, if your goal is to have uh, a safe space for everyone you don't have to be a part of the community as you have all shown in your twitch streams um okay Thank at least you. the ones i've been in the hateful ones could be the ones i've missed and i haven't been there but i, I sincerely <laughs> we don't archive that. those <laughs> yeah oh, i almost made a really bad joke i don't want to make a bad joke on the show um <laughs> but um yeah i just i think it's such a interesting conversation that even within the community things are evolving you know, um, I've heard people even argue about that A on Twitter and Twitch that a lot of people think it stands for ally, but it stands for ace. And um, people argue, not argue, but discuss. That's probably the better word. Discuss about what that A actually stands for, because a lot of people do think it stands for ally, but apparently that's changing. So things are constantly changing. And um, as long as we continue to learn what Josh, should I say something wrong? No. no. Oh, okay. I didn't know. Like you're giving me a was face. I, was I, I looking I more sarcastic than usual? Wrong. No, that's sorry. It's my apologies. <laughs> he was just getting comfortable. A bit. Oh, okay. My bad. I'm sorry. But um, this that actually brings me to the last question that I have, and then if the other guys, if the other two have any questions for you, Ivan, um, I'll open the floor to them. But the biggest, or not the biggest, the last question I had was. Um, what areas do you think that representation can be improved in gaming and gaming culture from your perspective? Um, inclusion of non-binary options for main characters would be the e- the easiest, right? Because I'm I'm not a coder, but I imagine that can't be difficult. <laughs> uh, maybe it is. <laughs> I, that's the first step. Um, and and that's I mean. Would I like to see alternate reality queer versions of video games that have already existed? Like, that'd be kind of cool, right? So it's like a, a queer version of Legend of Zelda. That's an interesting prospect. Like, cause it, even as like someone who's not LGBTQ, I'd be interested to check that out. And would it, would it change right. the game? I don't know. Could you have fun with it? Absolutely. You, it, it opens up the door for a whole bunch of other aspects. And, you know? I mean... There are microcosms of that that I think show that it can be it can make a, an experience better and even necessary. I mean, you look at the original Final Fantasy VII when you have the cross-dressing sequence with Cloud. That was handled obviously with the context of 1995-96 when that game came out, which was making fun of that. But you look at the remake in 2020, and it's not making fun of that at all. It's a completely different experience, and it's more modern, and it's actually way better in the remake. That whole sequence is way more enjoyable in 2020, and it's humorous not because they're making fun of 
cloud cross-dressing, but just it's funny because of the character that they introduced into the remake, just because of the character's personality and how hilarious that character is. It was a I think it was a really good example of modernizing when they when they remade the game, they modernized that with current sensibilities and it made it that much better. And if they can do that in a microcosm kind of situation like Final Fantasy VII, the original with the remake, they can absolutely do that with a full game, I think. And I think that would be really cool and that would be so much fun to see that that kind of that kind of uh reimagining. I would love that. I, I think it's under this it's in the same vein as reimagining movies and stories with with like different um with characters from different racial backgrounds and sort of, you know, the all the all the controversy that comes with it and how exciting it is to see the people get so upset, but to see how the projects thrive. I mean, I would just really like to um, be a part of that. How are you going to replace Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd in Ghostbusters with those bitches? And I'd have to be like, Dad, you know Dan Aykroyd's a crazy person now, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? But... That, is that a segue to give a compliment to like Leslie one of Jones? the big things? Because I want to. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. I don't like that movie, but not because of the cast, because of the script. I just love Leslie Jones. Yeah, the script was bad. Oh, she's she's awesome. great. She also she also rebooted Supermarket Sweep, and she did a phenomenal job with that. So if you haven't watched the new Supermarket Sweep, this is my I, my shameless plug. Yeah. Had no idea that happened, and now I'm going to. <laughs> yeah, you need to. Yeah, that's why the old Supermarket Sweep was all of a sudden popular again for a for a moment there was it last year yep. or the year before and they have introduced several queer contestants who are openly queer on the show which you would never see in the original one although mm-hmm. snl did a parody of it i think and it was really funny anyway super mike sweet what was the question no what, one of the <laughs> one of the things i wanted to say for for me is i think one of the things that can be improved upon outside of what Ev- Ivan has said going forward, I don't know why I want to say Evan, Ivan going forward is I having all these brain mix ups today is that I, I would like to just urge and call upon anybody who does journalism um, and talks about games as a, for a living. I just want to urge you all. I mean, you don't have to do it, but you should is start having these conversations and normalize these conversations you don't need to have this kind of conversation but when you're playing a game and you notice some of that stuff just mention it and you don't need to mention it and oh it hits that checkpoint of having lgbtq representation you don't need to make it a big thing every time i don't think maybe i'm wrong there being a cishet or a white man but i think at least acknowledging it is goes a long way and that is a really good thing i think that that needs to start happening and journalists and people who are writing editorials things of that nature need to start doing that going forward because that shows inclusivity and um by ignoring it you are just making the problem worse i would 100 percent be down for that and i would support it and i would read it and i would comment and, and be supportive there you go more commenters as the um, head of editorials i'll take that into account <laughs> well there we go our our uh editor edit head of editoring whatever edit edit editor in chief editor in chief that's the one i was looking for um, you got it there you go buddy it took me where's their fucking escape the editor 
The head that's of the, Oh, that's, that's even better. Still don't know what it means, but that's what they call me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that might be Rich's new nickname going forward in these intros. The Heditor. I was voting oh, for like Junior that, in Charge but, Boy. <laughs> but no, uh, Josh or Rich, I want to open the floor to you guys. Do you guys have any uh, questions for Ivan or any kind of final thoughts you want to say regarding this? I know, Josh, you didn't get to talk a lot. You did a lot of listening. Much, you did a much better job than I did. Um, so I applaud you for that. But if you guys have any... Uh, closing okay comments that. or any questions you want to ask Ivan, please. I, I think you covered uh, pretty much. The, I had a few questions written down, but we ended up like covering them over the course of this. Um, so I just, cool. it, again, we, we did our best to, we wanted to give you the platform here. And I, I think you had a lot of really cool insights to share. So it, this has been a fun talk. Yeah, I, would, I hope I, yeah, I agree. It's so parched and speaking, but I appreciate that. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to get you a drink cool. during the break. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One so one a couple of things I want to say before we wrap up this conversation. Um I wanted to shout out some games that celebrate pride and the LGBTQ community and just representation and everything. So if you're interested in exploring some of these concepts through video games or just want to show support, check these games out. Um obviously one of the biggest games that we talked about last year, Ickenfell, which is a game about a girl looking for her sorceress sister. The six playable characters are all in the community, and some of the NPCs are also in the community as well. One Night Hot Springs, which is a game we just talked about earlier, it's a visual novel where three people go to a hot spring to share in an evening that, with each other that has multiple endings. Uh, this game shows how difficult it can be being a trans person in Japan, which I can vouch for having multiple friends within the community here in Japan. Uh, Murder by Numbers, which is a blend of Ace Attorney and Picross, which I was asking Josh about this game before the show, where you solve murders, and one of the main characters is a gay hair and makeup artist. Um, Josh, that's a pretty good game, right? Very good. I uh, kind of set in the 90s with a lot of like kind of 90s TV references and humor. Um, It's very fun. It's a very just fun sort of experience. Josh, does one of the characters ever say, hell of a run the bulls are having? I don't think so. That think... game's not set in the 90s then. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, two more games, or two more, th- or one more game, and then a series of games, I guess. I want to mention is A Summer's End Hong Kong 1986, which is another visual novel that takes place a year after Hong Kong was handed over to China. It mixes historical social with a budding romance between two young women and illustrative in the visuals. It is a very visually striking game. Um, I would recommend that if you're not going to play the game, go watch a YouTube video or a stream of it. It is a very, very graphically impressive and beautiful game. And it has some very interesting concepts in there. And of course we have some of the big titles such as the last of us Two, outer worlds, which has an ACE or otherwise known as asexual character within it. And of course, the best one of them all, Dream Daddy, a dad dating simulator. How could you go wrong with that game? That game's but- so good. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. I need to play it. I need to play it. You I- should. It's I, I flock to those sorts of games because I think they're weird and fun and uplifting. Um, that's a really good one of those weird dating sim games. Yeah, yeah, I need to sit down and put some time into it. But the one last thing I wanted to say... Um, as a cis hetero white man who didn't always understand 
the situation or fully grasp the scope of the situation. I'm consistently learning little by little every day. Um, and it can be overwhelming. Um, I know I've, I felt overwhelmed at times learning about these things, but you don't need to understand everything in one day. And that's the thing I have to remind myself when I'm doing the research, when I'm learning about these things. I don't need to know everything right off the bat. You just need some empathy and some understanding that as long as you're making a genuine effort, it won't go unnoticed and it will be appreciated by pe people both inside and outside of the community. And that's something I can vouch for with my friends who are a part of the community as well. So um, I think those are the closing thoughts I want to leave this topic with. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We all need to get some water in us. We need to get some water out of us. I guess that was a weird thing that's to say. my main goal <laughs> yeah i gotta pee so bad but um we'll be right back and don't go anywhere we have some games and some social media stuff to talk about so stay tuned we will be right back x-ray x-ray read all about it new magic store.sojump.com Oh. You there, boy! What news? News, sir! New graphic designs over at store.swordchomp.com! New graphic designs at store.swordchomp.com! That's right, sir! My god! You can get all the designs you want on t shirts, masks, hoodies, even phone cases! They've done it. Those sword chomp boys have brought Christmas early. Oi, sir! This surely will be the best Christmas yet if you navigate over to store.swordchomp.com right now! God bless you, son. God bless us, everyone! All right, we are back from our break. Ivan took off to go get some food. I just wanted to say a retroactive thank you again to Ivan for being here to have that really fun and insightful conversation. We are now going to talk about some video games. We have been playing some video games this week. Uh, we found some time in our busy schedules. And Rich and Josh have been playing a game called Chicory, which is a very cute, adorable, uh, stylized game about painting. I'm going to let you two take it away and talk about the game for a little bit. Uh, Josh, out of curiosity, how, how much how much time have you put into Chicory so far? Because I think it's probably substantially more than me, and I've yes. already put in a lot. This is a way bigger game than I thought it was. Um, it's a way bigger game, and also I feel like it's it's a game that you can kind of like really relax in. And, and it's a cozy game. Um, I I think you could probably. Uh, I'm I'm at thirty hours. Thirty hours in it, and I think I could probably double that easily. Just yeah, exploring I'm at about and ten, and I feel like I've barely uncovered. There, there's like a there's a lot of top down Zelda DNA in here, um, mm -hmm. with a lot of differences, obviously too. Um, I've barely uncovered half of that a link to the past style overworld map yeah yeah um 
I, start with a description here. Uh, chicory is, or chicory, a colorful tail because otherwise ISO is never going to let you find this thing because chicory is, you know, such a common plant and name for everything else as well. So chicory, a colorful tail, is a sort of like you said, top-down Zelda-ish game where the color has left the world and you are you have been chosen-ish as as the new wielder of the chosen magic, adjacent as the of the you know wielder of the of the brush that can that can color in the world uh so you're it's it's zelda and a, and also a coloring book um it, it, yeah exactly the world looks like a blank coloring book and w while you move your character the way you would expect i think josh and i are both playing on pc um mm -hmm. so we move with the w asd keys and all that and there's so all sorts of fun abilities you unlock as you clear out the dungeons um but you, you use the mouse or the right stick if you're playing the playstation uh version to move a magic paintbrush and paint the world um which is used in a lot of the puzzle solving it's pretty much exclusively the way you fight enemies um and there are very few the only real enemies well, only are the, real the bosses. bosses yeah they're yeah. like yeah kind of um nothing on the world map or anything to to go fight to, as, to like, fight there's enemies. no yeah it's, yeah uh, just the only, boss battles yeah only like the set piece boss battles you get out of the boss battle and it's relaxing again ish there's like there's a lot of narrative stuff going on that's pretty heavy but for the most part is a very relaxing introspective game um the style of writing is definitely, I would say, cribbing from like Mother and Undertale, but Undertale is a lot of cribbing from Mother. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of that sort of DNA in there. There's also, um, well, what's your, what's your character's name, Josh? I have to ask this important question because it oh, asks yeah. that that Mother question that you get asked in every <laughs> game, which is what is your favorite food. But here it gets applied to your character name because all of the character names are like food names. Yeah, um, my name is Sushi, because I also thought that this was just, oh, I, I'm going to get a barrage of questions, just like Mother. They're yeah. going to gonna ask me all these things, and I'm going to get to name, like, three different characters or something. And um, So, yeah, I'm, I'm Sushi. Uh, I'm Pancake, which is a great name for a that's dog. A, that's a great name for a dog. Um, so, I guess, spoiler for, for the first literally the first thing you do in the game, which is pick your favorite food. It is, it is also your character name. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Like there's some of the writing in there, like you're saying is very much, um, kind of dealing with heavy themes, but still kind of chill. Like it's not like overly, yeah. um, it's simplified it in a way that heavy. helps you. Yeah, like it deals with depression and like art, art, kind of like uh, art, stifling like artistic sensibilities and stuff like that. But it never mm. feels uh, overwrought or anything. Like it feels clear in what it's doing, and it never feels stressful. Um, the writing just feels so consistent. I love talking to all the characters and like listening yeah. to the weird shit they have to say. Um, I messaged you about this privately, Josh. One of my favorite pieces of writing in this is, again, something that feels cribbed from Mother. Uh, they have a, a hint system, if you're getting stuck, where you can go to a telephone booth and call your mom 
for hints and calling your parents was a big thing and mother um but my favorite bit of it is you can call your mom and she gets on the phone and she sort of appears on the screen in like a side like comic style side bubble and starts giving you like kind of a loose hint but then you'll see your dad's like hand reaching for the phone behind her and she'll be like oh dad wants to talk to you you know how how specific he can be with his advice if you and you could say yeah i want to talk to dad or no i don't and then your dad will get on the phone and be like okay here's what you need to do and he'll tell you exactly what the fuck to do for the part you're at mm-hmm. which is a very good take on that hint system um the I'm, I, I have I have been loving this game. Like it has been something it's I have really just good. really enjoyed coming back to so much. Um, like almost unexplainably, like not not unexplainably, but like it's just it's really really got like just it it it, it hooked me in a way that I was not even expecting. Like even it, I don't know. I I backed this game when I first saw the Kickstarter because the concept was just so cool. Um, and I liked a lot of the people that they had on board already early on. Like, it's, you know, a small team, so you, you kind of know who's making it. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like, I, f- I feel like any praise I have for it is kind of underselling it which i don't know like all all these descriptions so far just kind of make it sound like it's a smaller thing than it ends up feeling like this it's is so much bigger than i thought it was going well, in. like not even in scale but like in in just the way the world feels realized and like as a unique this is one of the great gaming worlds Mm-hmm. Uh, just like just that feeling after after being in this world, I'm like, oh, this is this is something that's gonna stick with me because of um, a how unique it is, b how inviting it is to to be in this world and to want to experience everything you can find in it. Um, and the coloring is so satisfying because you you can cover every panel of the world like at your own discretion, like for each area, you'll have a certain palette of colors to select from. Um, so like I spent so much time like meticulously being like when I'd meet a new character, be like, okay, they're going to be blue, but their clothes are going to be red. And mm-hmm. like just everything has to be just so. And it, it, it adds like this personal touch to sort of ever like when you see somebody else's game, it might look totally different. Yeah. And, by the time you're done coloring it in, like everyone's going to have their own take on what characters look like what places look Mm -hmm. like like i was telling you josh like in some places and this is just my weird brain like the colors are a flim flam and all over the place but in other places i'm like i did this whole panel light blue (laughs) (laughs) um i think when i got the there are these stamps you can assign to your brush to make it have different effects when i got the paint can stamp which just lets you like hold to fill in a space oh my god it's so satisfying you should be like i want this guy to be this purple hue and just fill it all in Mm mm-hmm yeah, I I have I have absolutely loved hanging out in this world. A big part of that is due to the like we kind of already talked about the writing, the just fun coloring book. Like you yeah. you you are coloring this world in the way you want it to look. Uh another massive part of that is the soundtrack by Lena Rain, which is uh 
not not another like big bombastic electronic soundtrack like in uh um um Celeste which is amazing um but this is way more kind of pared back small instrumental like lo-fi vibes yeah that is just some of the most relaxing music and then and then she'll go all out on the big electronic pieces for some of those like boss fights that we were talking about earlier um and it is just you you want to be in this world it is this is a game that i have looked forward to turning on every time i have played it uh which same here yeah i've there it's not always the case when we go through some games even if it's a game i like it's sometimes not something i'm in the You're mood in the, for mood for yeah yeah and this, this is this, this is great yeah this is something i have like perpetually been in the mood for it's a um, good way to decompress for sure i think and um there was some other weird note i, I really had about this that i i remember just I feel over over flooded with thoughts on this game because it's just like you're you're saying, Josh. It's so relaxing. It's got such a unique look, and it's very it's very good. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. Dope. Well, if you guys are interested, you the listeners, check that shit out. Actually, it sounds really good, and I really want to play it. Um, I was watching a little bit of your your stream, Josh, and it looks cool. I want to check that game out. So yeah, yeah. Check it out if you're interested. Where is it available at again? Steam, PS4, and PS5. Is the Switch? I think the Switch, no Switch version. Switch version is the Switch that, version already out? The Switch version is not out. Not out currently. Okay. Yeah. But okay. Next, Rogue Book. What the hell is Rogue Book, guys? Roguebook is a totally different game that's equally fun for totally different reasons. Um, <laughs> Tell me more. Roguebook is a roguelite deck-building game a la Slay the Spire, if anyone's ever played that, um, with a bit more of a focus on the uh, like RPG-influenced elements to it. It's the same situation where you have different characters that have different card sets, but the the big focus in Rogue Book is you have two characters at once. You have a party, so different cards or different characters are flooding into your hands, and how they attack and how they defend is affected by their position in battle that you can actively swap on the fly. Um, and you're sort of uncovering this this hexagonal world map and picking up new cards and adding to your deck as you do a run. And much like like a lot of roguelites, it you're there's certain things that carry through, like new card pools and new abilities that stay for the characters, but for the most part, it's about building up that deck as you go and preparing before you take on a boss. And I, Josh definitely put a lot more time in it than me. I've put probably about an hour and a half to two hours in. I, I've gotten through the first boss, and that's about as much as my like lengthy progress has been. So uh, beyond that early realm, what do you, what do you think, Josh? Um... It is it is a different take on the sort of deck building thing. I mean, um, in a lot of deck building games, I mean, you're, you'll kind of notice like card game or or video game versions of them. A lot of times, they're more about getting out the crap in your deck than about adding cards to it. Um, and like 
the runs in this game are fairly short, so it's, you're not going to, like, balloon up to, like, a massive 60-card deck or whatever. Um, but they do kind of incentivize you taking stuff all the time because you have your, your normal cards, you know, like, you know, start with the deck and then add stuff to it as you get rewards after each fight and whatnot. Um, but then you also have a talent tree that is unlocked as you get X number of cards it's in your at deck. 18 cards you get to unlock an ability. At 26 cards you get to unlock an ability. Mm -hmm. And I, I forgot to mention this up front. We probably should mention it because it does have a pedigree as far as card mechanics go. Richard yeah. Attenborough of Magic fame uh, actually designed this game. Yeah, and it, it is a... Not, not strictly a sequel, but kind of... It's it's in the Feria world, which was the last thing they did, which was sort of a uh, another hex-based... Um, deal in the same universe that was how would how would how, 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 I know of that game loosely I did not play it so I, I can't me really neither, speak it me on neither. That. it was just it, it was not anyway um, but so yes yes like all the mechanics are solid um, some of the issues I've had with it so far are kind of that focus on putting more and more stuff in your deck instead of like really focusing on like okay i want this there are a couple ways to remove things from your deck but not a lot uh and it's more about customizing the cards you have there because you've it's more got... about choosing what works for you and what works well in in conjunction like yeah you I, be... I found a card yeah it, you you can't remove things from your deck i guess i haven't you can gotten far you can okay. but there's not a lot of options whereas in something like slay the spire almost every like every it's it's constant like there are it's like more every, about personalizing every, that yeah every merchant you come to one of the main options the one of the most important things there is remove a card from your deck um okay and then you also find other spots to remove cards from your deck it's like it's it's a big thing a lot of times when i'm playing like slay the spire i will end up with like a i don't know 10 card deck five card deck something really small that you just you rotate through those same cards over and over again because it is, it is just a perfectly tuned machine to, to, to what you want to do over and over um, well, well that's just it too and, and this is about adapting on that and finding things that work well in conjunction with each other mm -hmm. uh because i i've been playing heavy with uh the main character's name who i can't remember and cypher who's one of the first characters you unlock yeah. and she has a card um that i i really like when we talked about stances earlier and there are ways to switch your character stances in it. There's a card that has a zero mana cost called blade dance that is like, Hey, this does zero damage at base, but every time in a, an encounter that your character switch stances, it stacks three damage on it. Yeah. So I found really good ways to combo that where I'm dealing like 50 damage every time I play this card that it costs me nothing to play from my hand. Yeah. There are a lot of, a lot of really cool ways that you just... I mean, that's that's kind of card games in general. That's, yeah, that's but th a big this thing. is um, well-designed there, for sure, yeah. It's very well-designed um, in that regard. I think current at the moment, I don't think all the characters are particularly well-balanced because, like, you, you mentioned uh, Seifer there. He's just way stronger than everyone else by a lot because all of his cards are, like massive damage and also he heals himself really easily 
Um, his his charge card, I believe, right, siphons health and puts him at the front and de- deals a ridiculous yeah, amount of damage. It's just it does it does so many things. Um, he's the best tank by by a country mile. Yeah, and he's got allies like a really cheap ally. Allies are sort of a combo between Hearthstone minions, kind of. Well, like, kind of Hearthstone minions, magic minions, but they're I think they're the closest to like the orbs from the again going back to slay the spire. Um, oh, what's his name? What's his name? The robot, the robot. With the, I, I, I know the character you're talking about. I don't remember um, his name. I, I can't remember his name. But anyway, um, we're like they, they don't exactly cycle through in the same way. But you can have six of them, so you've got like a very limited number of slots, and they all, at the end of your turn, will attack or have some sort of other function, sort of like the different think, orbs you can slot. Yeah. Um, there's there's like a distinction where aggressive minions attack yeah and then there are other uh the cheap minion i think you're talking about one of the ones i got for for early on is mm-hmm. when you burn that minion and you can burn it anytime he gets five health back so basically you could set it up so just at the end yeah. of every match seaver gets five health back yeah well not just that i think by the time i was done i ended up with like six of that same card so i was attacking for 30 a turn for doing nothing because and then getting 30 health back and then getting 30 health back at the end of the fight which is like the same as three healing potions otherwise it's like it's it's insane he's just he's massively (laughs) overtuned compared to the other characters at the moment which looking at the patch notes they are aware of and and in the process of tuning down but uh, i better hurry up and clear it then yeah hurry up and clear it because because at the moment cypher is still ridiculously strong um I, I don't know, like, a, a few of those kind of concepts, like, feel like they're different takes, some of which are more fleshed out, some of which are just different on some of some mechanics we've seen in a lot of other places. Um, I think it's really interesting that they're doing the whole make a massive deck. That's the that's the focus of this sort of a card game, um, the way the way a lot of the mechanics play out. That's not really something you see in a lot of games because they are so much about perfectly tuning this machine to operate the way you want. Well, so, you have to tune it in different ways because of that. Like in my mm-hmm. earlier runs, I found really quick, I was over bloating my deck and I just wasn't getting my defense cards when I needed them because of that. Yeah. Oh, that like the, def- um, the defense cards always switch which characters in the front, which is a very important thing for positioning who's going to take attack and whatnot. Um, there are other cards, other ways you can switch that, kind of like Rich was saying earlier. But There's a, cards that are labeled as charge attacks, which move the character like, that's attacking to the front. Yeah, but like the, the easiest way is just defending. Like you, you if one of your characters defends. Uh, another thing that's kind of interesting I've noticed is that sometimes, again, <laughs> especially with Seifer being overtuned right now, um, I'll end up drafting all the cards for Seifer and then I won't have anything for my ally and like um, I really need to swap their positions right now and I have no way to do it because I just don't have any cards yeah. for the other character. Um, so there are a lot of really cool considerations involved in that position and the positioning. I think that is I think that is by far the coolest thing they're doing here is by having. Um, you share block like whenever you have a block like any block you're playing to the turn is just going to get to applied applied to whoever is in the front at the end of the turn who's going to take the hit and they're the ones taking the hit um, until one but yeah, defense like, is broken 
yeah, who's defending last or whoever you have charged to the front at the end is the person who is going to be tanking that hit whenever it happens, and they're all slightly different in the way that damage matters to them as far as, like, whether it's a big deal. Some of them have huge health pools. They can just kind of, you know, shrug it off. Um, Some of them have, um, like, interesting ways to mitigate damage. it's 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 a really cool puzzle. I think that is the coolest thing that they do here by far, and it is the main mechanic, which is good. Like the the strongest thing they have is always important. Um, every now and then you'll see a game where like one random idea over off to the side is like really cool and unique, and you, you don't interact with it that much. And I think they 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 knew what was strong about their combat system and they really played into it. And that I, it's, it's, it's solid. It is. This is a solid deck building game that I, I think if you are into that sort of genre, you will enjoy a different take on it. Uh, to to me, it here. feels like uh, I, I, somebody likes Slay the Spire a lot. And I know Josh doesn't necessarily share this sentiment. I feel like it is the evolution on Slay the Spire that I was looking for. Yeah, I don't know. I still think I like Slay the Spire better because I feel like all the different characters were like very, very specific and pared down to what makes them work on their own. Whereas in this one, they're not nah, overcomplicated. But, well, they they like they everything has to work together with something else. That's that's what I like. I yeah. I think your concerns are totally valid, but that's at the same time the exact thing I like about it. Yeah, finding no, it's, the way it's these not characters a bad thing. Together. It's just like it's which one you're gonna kind of you know really connect with. Right more. now, I think the proper yeah. meta is both of the tanky characters. <laughs> hmm. I really liked Cipher, and then the the main character, whose her whole deal is whenever she's in the front, she gets an attack bonus to all of her cards. Yeah. Um, which anyway, like it's, it's, it's kind of neat because I wouldn't play her as like the main damage dealer. I'd play her more as like a, um, burst damage character. Get her um, in the front, hit heavy and get out. She has yeah. a lot of retreat cards that help a, bring her she to the has back a lot of retreat done. cards. B, um, the, the whole sort of dagger thing that the, um, the rogue in Slay the Spire had, you know, with the whole summoning lots of different ways to spawn dagger cards that cost nothing and do yeah. barely any damage. You can just kind of ping stuff over and over again. Um, the the way that mechanic, it's it's basically the same thing, but the way that mechanic plays out. It's in this tied one, to a a minion in this. Well, he, well, not not so much. You that, know the one I'm but, talking about. Yeah, yeah, I know that one. But like the the bigger difference here is that those daggers um, stay in your hand between turns. So you don't have to use them all right away as just like easy ping damage, hit a thing. You can use it as like a pinch hitter. Yeah, you can stack them, I think, up to nine times. So like, okay, there's nothing worth hitting right here. I'm in the back. I'll I'll do way more damage if I save this for later or something. And you can kind of, you know, save up a few and then hit something hard the way you want it like right when when the time is right um which i think is a it, it's it's a it's an interesting take on the mechanic and i yeah. actually i really like that 
the, the minion I was thinking of and the reason I associate it with is she also has a, a minion character that uh, makes it so you get a lot more daggers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Well, but it's, uh, uh, yeah. it sounds fun and interesting, but I don't, I don't really get into card games much anymore. So, hmm. I'm glad you guys are having fun, though. It's a real, real neat game. Um, if I find time over the next few days, it's something I'd like to do a little stream of. That'd be dope. I yeah. could watch you play it, and I'd, I'd be content with that instead of <laughs> playing it myself. But you guys have also been playing a, a game that um, I was really excited about. And this was this was previewed at E3, correct? Uh, the Phantom Abyss, or it was yeah, talked about we, we both detail. played a very little bit of it. I think um, I haven't engaged with it enough to really speak with it. I kind of want to save that one for next week, but we have been checking it out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted here. you guys' played... initial impressions of it. It's early access. Um, a, a lot of the features are not there yet, like seed sharing and stuff like that. But there's 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 potential here. Yeah, like I played the tutorial thing, which is like a really easy dungeon that kind of, you know, teaches you the buttons and kind of gives you the ideas of how stuff is going to be laid out. Um, and then also when you go to start a dungeon run, it's got a couple options. Um, again, because it's early access, apparently some of the seed sharing stuff is kind of breaking progression currently so it's turned off but there's a neat sort of community take on a souls like um thing where um i think if you the, the if body you, runs thing yeah, yeah yeah like the like the, the corpse run sort of a thing um it like if you if you saw any of the early trailers like kind of the big selling point was you you go into this dungeon you can only attempt it once um you'll lose any like treasure you found along the way if you die but you can then send the seed to one of your friends and if they can go get to where your body was they can recover your loot yeah, yeah they can recover your loot and i think i need to look in again it's disabled so i don't know how what it's intended i don't know what positive there'd be for the friend i don't know if you like both get that loot at that point or something but like i'm not i'm not sure exactly how that's going to work out long term but it's an interesting take on the idea like oh man i got here and then died like can can anybody go get my corpse for me <laughs> um it's it's anyway it, it's like it's it's interesting if nothing else but mm. as far as like the game itself i think i'm i i don't I don't have enough time with it to to get no more of that. Yeah, same here. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I just wanted to get your guys' kind of initial impressions regarding the game. So I appreciate that. Um, I've been playing a lot more Biomutant this week. I'm very, very close to being done with it. I don't have too much to add. I, I had said that I wasn't going to talk much more about it last week. I just wanted to mention that I've done a lot more of the side mission stuff. Um, I originally wasn't going to do that, and then I said, "Fuck it! This is why I bought this game. This is I want to yeah. have the full experience." Um, so that's exactly what I'm doing, and so I've been playing a lot of the side content stuff. And I was messaging Rich about this earlier this week. Is that once I started getting into more of the side content stuff, like the side missions and whatnot, I started meeting a lot of the characters um, that are NPCs, but they have more of a role to play. And they do various things for you, like uh, they give you various items and whatnot. 
I've gotten a lot of mounts um, since last week. Originally, I only had um, like a like a horse or the equivalent of what a horse would be as a mount. Zebra. Yeah, something along that nature. But since then, I've gotten like a, a version of a jet ski. I've gotten a robot. Um, I've gotten a robot hand that has a <laughs> that turns into a gun. I've gotten a blimp that allows you to traverse the upper part of the map. And I think I got one other one too. I can't remember, but I've gotten, a, I've done a lot more in that game. I decided last Sunday to sit down just for a few hours and just dedicate some time to playing that game. Cause I hadn't had a sit down and relax day in weeks. And it was really great. It was a really great experience because it actually showed me a lot more of the content and charm of the game, which I really very much appreciated. So um, I was telling Rich, it's too bad he didn't stick with it because the game really does get more interesting. And I completely understand your your reasoning, Rich. I, I think it's completely valid. It takes that long to get for the game to get interesting in certain parts, but it really opens itself up a lot. And there's so much to do in there. I like I'm every time I open it up, I'm like, I have to do this, this and this and this. And so I knock these things out and I'm like, fuck, I still have a lot more to do. And it's not a bad thing at all. Um, I'm, I'm on the tail end of wrapping up all that side content stuff. I'm almost done with all of it. And I will just have the main missions. I've killed three of the world enders at this point as well, which are the big bosses that you're supposed to defeat in the game. And those have been some of the most fun sequences in the game. Um, one, you have to ride around on your horse-like mount to defeat an enemy. One, you're underwater in a submarine fighting an enemy. One, you are in this kind of, um, you're on your jet ski uh, doing some damage. And I haven't fought the fourth one yet. I've been saving that one uh, until I do all the side content stuff. But it's been super fun. It's been super engaging for me. And I'm just, I'm really glad that I made the decision to not rush through the game because originally that was going to be my plan because I wanted to go back and 100% Resident Evil Village. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy this game, enjoy the time that I have with it. And I'm really glad that I did that. Um, there's so much fun to be had in this game. And I understand why people wouldn't like it, but I, yeah, I, I'm really glad. It was, it was my type of game. And uh, I, I, I still can't recommend it enough to people who like the, these types of games. But that's all I really have to add to it. Um, I, I've had, I've had a, other than I've had the game quit on me two more times. Uh, some, some small issues, some small glitches here and there. So um, it's still a little bit buggy, but uh, the game has been getting, I believe it's had five updates up until this point. I believe they're working on a sixth one already right now. Because they have been, been some, good about patching it. Bugs. Uh, a lot of the things we mentioned they've, earlier yeah, on. They've done a pretty good job. Um, as complaints have been addressed, um, again, like it, it is Which big. Is necessary. It is really a very needed. big, you know, tons of side content sort of game. Which I think is kind of why Rich and I dropped off of it, and you have really enjoyed it so much. Which is kind of like when, once they fixed a lot of those problems, it kind of, you know, it, it was down to that where where you ended up landing. On your enjoyment yeah, of it, yeah. So. It's if go ahead, Rich. <laughs> I was gonna say I looked at that game and said, "This is too much, man. I'm not vibing with it. This is a waste of my time." I said, firing up my hard run of Final Fantasy VII remake. Oh my god! Right? Well, I mean, I mean, like it's it's funny. Like you you saw that as a positive, like the whole getting on, doing a bunch of side quests. I I, I 
several days. I'd get on like, okay, I've got, uh, I've got like eight, eight side quests here. I'll, I'll knock out some of them, get on there and knock out four of them. Man, this is great. Why do I have 12 side quests now? Um, yeah. And see, I, I look at that and I really enjoy that kind of stuff because for me, um, it adds more longevity to the game, but a lot of those side missions, and this is where I probably differ from the average person. The average person is going to see that and be like, these are meaningless. This is pointless. Why am I doing this? For me, it's like, this is easy, easy to chew, easily digestible content that I can pop in for a half an hour at night, knock out two quick missions in this world that I'm enjoying, and then just turn it off. Because um, that's kind of how mm-hmm. I'm gaming right now. Unfortunately, I don't have... Recently, I haven't had the time to just sit down and invest a lot of time into a game at one period of time rather than this past Sunday. So for me, I got to do it in bite-sized portions. And this game really lends itself to that, which is why on top of that being what it, the, the, the structure, the outline of the game is very much a me type of game. So I really loved it. And um, I should be finished with it by next week. Because, like I said, I have one world ender. Um, most of the side content is done. I think I have maybe an hour and a half's worth left of clearing up that side content, and then just a few main missions, and then I'll be done. So, yeah, um, I've really enjoyed the game. I'm also looking forward to being done with it. Not because it's bad, but because I I want to I want to start playing some other games. Some games are dropping right now, and whatnot. So. Um, the other thing I will mention is uh, One Night Hot Springs, which we talked about, obviously, in the main topic. Did you guys have time to play it before the show? Or no? I did not. No. no, no. I was still finishing up cooking some dinner for the family before we uh, hopped on here. So have not had a yeah, chance I, to play it yet. That's okay. I, I don't <coughs> have too much more to add other than what Ivan and I talked about. I'm really glad he ended up playing it. Uh, it's really cool. It's a, it's a visual novel game. Like I had mentioned before, the art design is very, very, um, I don't want to say simplistic because that usually comes with a negative connotation, but it's, it's not trying to be extravagant or anything like that. It's, it's, I can't remember the influence. I remember reading the, the developers had a specific influence. I can't remember what that was now. I apologize. But, um, like I said, it's about this, uh, trans woman who is going to the hot springs to meet her best friend and her best friend's really good friend. And the three of them are just going to have a night celebrating uh, her friend's 20th birthday. And the whole game is kind of about um, this trans character dealing with that both in Japan and being trans. And there are different, there are different simple dialogue options that you can choose from between two and you can get different endings. And the, I, like Ivan and I were saying, I'm pretty sure the developers plan for you to get different endings and possibly even a, an order for some of those um, just based off of what they thought the average person would select. Because uh, Ivan and I got the exact same endings in the exact same order, which, I mean, it's two, so it might be just coincidence, but um, I really enjoyed it. Um, one thing I really like about the game is after you beat it, quote unquote, or after you experience it one time, if you hop right back into it, it will fast forward you through the conversations you just had. Like the, like you literally just played it 10 minutes ago or two minutes ago. It fast forwards you through the stuff you just experienced. And then you can, it gets you right to the the sex scenes faster. 
Yeah, that's how I mean, exactly same thing with Thirteen Sentinels. That's what that's all I want. But no, it's it was really interesting. It really um, not to bring <laughs> not to sorry. bring back the I, conversation up. Sorry, we, no, I, uh, you, you're good. You're good. No, it's like um, I, I obviously Rich has played some since he was anyway. But that's that's a visual novel thing. A lot of times you can skip, not just some of the dialogue but like literally skip to the questions just like okay like fly through everything like okay i want to choose this different thing and a lot of times because you're playing some sort of hentai visual novel or whatever it, it is it's <laughs> so so we've heard <laughs> so yeah, yeah i don't know i heard on, on a reddit so somewhere the story goes no i get that um it, it, it was cool to have this kind of perspective on what it would be like to come out to somebody because there is a version of that in the game. And it was not overly moving for me, but it was more informative for me. And when I finally got the ending where the main character does come out, um, because her, her best friend knows and her friend's friend obviously knows, but they have this awkward conversation. And it's the first time that this character actually openly has this conversation with anybody about um, being trans. And it was so, so simplistic and endearing the way it happened. And I really appreciated that because that's an experience I'll never, ever have. Um, yeah, that I guess makes I sense. I never say never, but I, I, I don't think I will ever have. You'll never and, have yet. Hey, there we go. Uh, and I, I'm really glad I got to experience that in a, in a fun and um, simple idea type of way. So... It's like I said, it's a free game on Steam if you're interested. It also has really interesting, cool commentary on um, Japan. There's this one moving moment that I don't want to spoil um, between uh, the main character, her best friend's friend, and um, one of the Hot Spring staff. I don't want to spoil that moment, but it was probably the most moving moment in the entire game. Not because of, not necessarily because of the subject matter, but because of the implications of it and having lived in Japan as long as I have, um, kind of the profundity with that. So there is, it's worth your time. I mean, I think you can knock out realistically all of the endings because there are seven of them, probably within a half an hour. And it's, a, it's a, actually a three-part story. This is part one. So worth your time if you're interested. Cool. So hmm. leave that there. Um, you guys want to take another break before we do the polls and stuff? Or are you guys good? Uh, I don't imagine it's going to take very long. I might as well just go through, right? Yes, sir. I don't think we need to dilly dally. What? Which, which is it? Which character is it that says dilly dally shilly shally? Is that from Final Fantasy VII? Uh, Advent Children? Tifa? Am I? No? Okay. I have no Just idea me. what you're talking about. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Leaving me yet again. I think it's Aerith, if anyone. Aerith's to... dead in Advent Children. Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. Aerith's dead. Fuck, man. Just <laughs> dropping that on people. Man, I only, watched, I only watched Advent Children like twice, and then I was sure I wasn't going to get that phone, so. Oh, you could have pretended like Advent I was right. Children? But, uh, I don't know. I barely remember Advent Children. Yes. Though I do own it yes, on Blu-ray. I'm 99.9% positive. But... Well, then it would Anyways. have to be Tifa, because she's like the only one who has any screen time. 
It's it was Kate Sheath. Mm. Kate Sheath. Okay, so first I want to do the uh, I had a Patreon question that I did. I decided to opt out of a poll and just do a full on question this week. Um, I said, we have seen retro title prices become astronomical recently, making it harder to find and or get certain titles. Once you find them, you have to decide how much your nostalgia is worth to you to acquire the title. So the question was, how much are you willing to spend to get your favorite retro titles? Tawny said, great question. Even back when I was still a serious collector, I only went for games I wanted to play. So I had no problems with boxes or manuals missing. The most I ever spent was 150 euros for a mint condition CIB version of Super Metroid. That's in a sealed case never to be played. These days, I'd rather spend 100 bucks on an EverDrive if I really wanted to play games on original hardware, like I did for my modded Game Boy Advance Gen 1 with backlit screen. Mm-hmm. And then Beefy Gamer said, I recently spent $155 on Dead Space PS3 Black Label version sealed. Had some shelfware, but it's so hard to find a sealed copy now on eBay or other third-party seller sites. I passed it so many times the past five years and probably would have only spent no more than $70. I feel like if you don't find the PS3 games you want to collect in the next year, next two years, you're going to have to pay three or four times what they're actually worth. I still shudder at the thought on passing up a PS1 sealed copy of Silent Hill for $150 and sealed copies of PS2, Silent Hill 2, and 3 for $99 altogether. Now they're either graded and going for $10,000 or more. And I was curious because I had, um, where I did an Instagram poll on it. I, uh, I was at this local retro store um, in my city in Japan. And I was um, I was uh, looking at some titles, and one of my favorite games is the original Fantasy Star for the Sega Master System, as it is uh, Riches as well. So I sent I went and looked at how much one goes for, and I sent him a picture, and it goes for almost eighty dollars U.S. dollars. And I was like, "Fuck! I already own that game, um, the the English version. Why would I buy the Japanese version for that much money?" Um, and then it got me to thinking about collector's items and collector's editions and what have you so um it was hilarious that's kind of what that, spawned the I, question but I, I would have paid it i know i was i was dude i was i was sitting there and um i went there with my friend and she's like do you like that game i was like yes and she's like are you gonna buy it and i just sat there for a few seconds looking at it and i was like no and then i <laughs> put it back because my my modern adult sensibilities <laughs> kicked in unfortunately i i used to collect a lot i still do occasionally when i see something i really want to just have like the physical media of and i collected a lot of super nintendo um era stuff and i have a lot of english super nintendo carts that are harder to come by now but the funny thing is i never cared about much for condition like i have them on bookshelves and i display them and i play them occasionally on hardware um i I started picking up a lot of, and this was shortly after I got a Retron 5, I started picking up a lot of fa Super Famicom cartridges. Hmm. Because the fact of the matter is, from that era, they produced a lot more in Japan. So when you think Maybe. of something like A Link to the Past, the Super Famicom version is a lot cheaper than the Super Nintendo version. Um, and if you have a device yep. like I do, like the Retron 5, one of the fun things about this is you can plug in the Super Famicom version of A Link to the Past, 
or Chrono Trigger, which are both ones I have, and you can download an English an English language patch to an SD card, put it in the back of the Retron 5, and apply it to the game. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Yeah, there, there are the, a lot of those. The ease of, of hacking um, those games older games has, has, has made fan translations. And, and or just, you know, the actual translations, just, you know, retrofitted to those patches a whole lot easier to uh to come by which is which is a nice thing for for people getting into that yeah I've been it's in- funny you mentioned that josh it's funny you mentioned that because when i was at that retro store because i know we were recently talking about those uh those modded those english modded ones i saw a copy of mother three sitting behind a glass case and i instantly thought of you mm. Why, I don't know why we you got do those that. legally. We, shut we up. Have, we have totally legal copies. Of yeah. Mother three. There's nothing totally illegal legal. about this at all. So mm-hmm. shut up. Yeah. <laughs> it. It has that Nitero seal does of it, seal of quality on there. Does it? Does Nitero. it trouble you that I had that at, at an arm's Nitero. reach? You always do, Rich. I think that's the third time you pulled it out. On the podcast. Well, I don't want it to. Well, my Game Boy SP is always at an arm's reach. Yeah. Smart man. All right, let's do some Instagram Instagram polls, boys. Yo, welcome. Welcome to Instagram. Instagram, where you don't ask questions. You just get your pussy filled. All right, that's not. Today's guest host Mm. is Fred Durst. Ben Stiller, you my favorite motherfucker. You need to have him. Do you have ammo? Are you showing us ammo on the show? You gotta, gotta keep him fresh. <sighs> That's to hide him for when Big Brother comes in and ask, asking for our imports. Oh, yeah. Are those 50 caliber bullets, Josh? Jesus Christ. It's the SP. <laughs> Mine's blue. I know, I know. I was, <laughs> I was joking. Mm-hmm. But no, I do keep it in a surplus <laughs> ammo case because uh, those things are... As good as Pelican cases, and if you've got a good surplus store near you, are significantly cheaper. All right, that's good to know. That is... A, Josh, can you hold that up again really quickly? Oh, yeah, this is the uh, the size for the M60 rounds, and it's a good... Uh, they're just... They're really good construction for uh, any sort of storage like that. Nice and waterproof, and... Oh yeah, that's good to know because I do have I a was, surplus. I was taking near me. some pictures. Yeah, good handles. I was taking yeah. some pictures for the uh, private Instagram. There you go. So, yeah. Thank you. I got like ten pictures. Yeah. So if you want to see a picture of Josh's fifty caliber bullet case for his video games, uh, I mean, um, was, head over to the Patreon.com. I said it was an M60. That's that's. It's a seven point six two. Idiot. Whatever. They all kill people. That's yeah. all I know. That's all I know. But um, let's do some Instagram polls. So the first question I asked this week was, E3 has come and gone. We all got a look at a ton of new games coming out. Are you excited for gaming in the coming year or two? And 84% of people said, you know it. And 16% of people said, not really. Which, that was, that was pretty cool to see that. I was surprised because I know a lot of people weren't that impressed with E3, but I'm glad that they're still excited for the games. So good news there. I, I think 
I don't know about you guys, but I think gaming has a really bright future in the next year or two. And we're we're probably at the tail end of gaming. Shut up, Rich. <laughs> Just shut your fucking mouth. I actually don't. I love your mouth. Open it. Hmm. I gotta I gotta go. Hmm. <laughs> um, are you the type of person who will buy more games before finishing the one that you have? Or will you play one to completion before buying more? Obviously influenced by me not putting down Biomutant for almost a month. Uh, 83% of people said I can't help it, meaning that they buy one more even if they have others to finish. And 17% of people said they will play it to completion. And those people are liars. Well, I mean, the stats don't lie, people. They do not lie. I mean, you guys are both the type of people who will not finish games as well, right? You guys will just buy more I, before you finish a game? If I'm... Yeah, I have a large backlog, as Josh is saying in our chat, but I... It's less about like me going, I'll buy something if I know I'm going to play it and I'm going to make time for both, or yeah. also I have no problem jumping off a game if, like... It, my my time is more valuable than my money at that point for me. Like, I don't if I'm not enjoying it, I'm gonna Biomutant being the case for me. Like, I'm not going to continue to play it. This is obviously a different case than as somebody who who used to review for a lot of websites. Like, if it's if it's something I'm writing a review for or something I've committed to writing a review for here, like that's my job, and I'm gonna finish that and see it through to the end. But when it comes to just playing something for on my own personal time, I'm not gonna waste my time with it if I really don't feel any obligation mm-hmm. to and just don't want to anymore yeah yeah like that i i will finish a game if i'm into it is kind of the thing but like i think a lot of the time my steam backlog ends up getting filled at least earlier on because i'm like i i should really finish these other games but I've I've more or less let that go. Uh, the idea of having to finish something if I'm not really enjoying it. Um, so yes, I will buy stuff beforehand, but it's not just like... A, a lot of times it's, it's kind of... Hmm, I'm trying to figure out how to explain it exactly, but like... Um, I intend to play it either way, whether whether what I'm playing ends up being something that I stick with or not. Um, like kind of case in point right now, I've got like four other games that I bought last week that came out um, because they were games I was interested in, stuff that I wanted to try out. I have really stuck with Chicory. I've been putting a ton of time into that, and I have because of that not gotten around to them whereas had i you know put 10 hours into that or so and then dropped it i would have probably gotten a you know three or four other games by now um so yeah if something if something catches me i'll i'll stick with it but i i don't feel the need yeah and i think it i think it could be harder in certain situations like uh the Steam summer sale is happening right now, for instance, and yeah. you see games and you're like, well, shit, I, I mean, I can't pass up some of these deals. So I can understand in those kinds of situations why you wouldn't 
wait to finish other games as well. So I mean, I can understand. Yeah. Certain situations. Yeah, like I've I've mentioned in the past how I used to do a whole lot of like the humble bundle things when they used to have like ridiculously good deals on yeah, some of the best the indie games ever. Um, they they don't they're not quite the same as they used to be now that they're more of a storefront than a you know a movement. Yeah, what they started as. So it's kind of a completely different thing, and it's it's still one of my favorite storefronts. But um, anyway, um, not, like I, I, I grabbed those. I just grabbed a bunch of stuff from that Steam summer sale you just mentioned, including a few things that I never had time for last year, which means I probably won't have time for them this year either. But they were interesting. Like I, the stuff I wanted to play at the time never got to, and well, they're seventy percent off now. So they can they consider my backlog for seventy percent off. Can't argue with that. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Well, there you guys have it. You guys are the majority. All right. When I'm having a rough day or a few weeks, I often think about how I wish I had time to play some retro games as comfort food. When you're down and out, do you go to retro games for comfort? Sixty percent of people said they bring me peace. And 40% of people said, I cope in other ways. Which, I, I was surprised that that number was so high, actually. I thought I was in the minority there, because I do. I mean, you guys know this. I play one of the Shining Force games almost every year. Last year being an exception, I wanted to kind of break that pattern um, and start playing games Careful that I had that. never played before. <laughs> Breaking that pattern, you might not get back to it. Right. Yeah, but I've I've given it's, my it's, it, yearly reread of oh, Lord of the Rings a break, and I think it's been like three years now. It's harder when you have kids. Thankfully, that won't be a problem for me. Hmm. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that not being a problem for me. Um, <laughs> I, I I definitely abstinence do... until marriage, people. I, I think I. De- <laughs> <laughs> good one um i hey i got a laugh from you guys that's all i've ever mm-hmm. wanted and i wasn't even trying <laughs> i i uh I, I do something similar where like uh there's there's a handful of games that i tend to revisit on like an annual basis like annual super mario world run stuff like that um mm. there's just um i find myself over the holidays when like i'm at my sister's house or something i will often sit down in front of my brother-in-law's tv and run through Mega Man 2 real quick just to keep these fucking kids in check. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta put some respect on your name. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The editor. Yeah. <laughs> I still play yeah. retro um, games, but not mm-hmm. as like a relaxing thing. It's just like, there's still a ton of retro games I haven't gotten around to. So I, I like, I'll play a new retro game Same. fairly regularly. If it's something that like, you know, I, you know, got recommended to me, like never heard of or something. I'll go back and try those out. And I'm I'm kind of in the other side there where like some of the, some of the retro games I'll go back and I'll replay because I really like them. But more often than not, it's something, I mean, I guess it's a retro game, but like I'll do something, you know, not brainless, but something you can turn off, you know, Mr. Do the, the over analyzing part of your brain and, and do with something Along the lines of like Sudoku or Picross, that's that's one of the reasons like 
Um, I've always, like it's, I, that that style of puzzle game that you've done a million times at this point. I think that's one one of the reasons yeah. there are like a million different, you know, variants of bejeweled or threes at this point. Um, yep, because you know you need something True. to kind of think about just enough to stop thinking about everything else, and that's kind of that's more my speed. Mister Do it is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of mine and Rich's favorite games ever, which is Final Fantasy, the picture I sent Rich of the Japanese version of the copy, which I love that cover so much more than the U.S. version. It yeah, looks it's so really good. Better. It's a classic, but would you spend $85 to have a Japanese copy of it? Of course, the same people, 31% of people, said worth it, and 69% of people, nice, said heck no. Which are what? also the incorrect people. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I spent uh, I spent money for a PAL copy of uh, Final Fantasy X, but part of that was because I was in Spain at the time. But y- you can't play those PAL versions. Like, at least the Japanese versions, you know, there are, there are ways to go about playing those. Yeah. But, uh, yep. yeah. Yeah, I got got myself a PAL copy of Final Fantasy X while I was in Spain because that was the most recent one at the time. Well, no, I think twelve had just come out, so you could get ten really cheap, which is one of the reasons I picked it up. Um, yeah, I wonder how much that PAL copy is worth now. If it's worth anything, no idea. It's it's in a drawer somewhere around here, but uh, you should find out. Find out if it's worth. It's anything. the one. It's the one with the Spanish. Um, all the Spanish labeling and whatnot, like mm-hmm. the Spanish, the, the PAL versions. I'm pretty sure you. That's can, what it's about. You can switch the languages between a bunch of different options just by default, but but the case itself is like all Spanish. So. Mm. The Spaniards invented cool, Blitzball. That's, like that's probably like your only game in your collection that's like that. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Well, yeah, I didn't get a lot there because i knew it was all just collector's stuff so that i wasn't gonna be able to play so yeah maybe it's worth keeping then you, you'll find japanese copies japanese labels are always just so much more lovely like my fam super famicom copy of a link to the past is so much more beautiful looking than yeah. the, the american one <laughs> i will say yeah. the the original po- pocket monsters um labels and the pokemon labels in the u.s i like the u.s versions better of the original games blue and red and yellow those they look are so pretty much solid the those are version. pretty solid yeah they're good there's good art there mm-hmm. yeah it's rare though i i would agree with you rich usually the japanese versions look much better um we are in the midst of another awesome wave of pop punk mainly because of travis barker's recent collabs and efforts and I said, are you guys ready to sing your heart out like you're 14 all over again? The choices were yes or yes, but with eyeliner. So 59% of people said yes. 41% of people said yes, but with eyeliner. And I got more messages on this poll than I've gotten on any poll since I've done polls I, I on the Instagram. Hmm. Polls. I was surprised. I had some people saying like, no, hell no, things like that. I had mm-hmm. some people saying, hell yes. Um, I had people messaging me like suggestions of songs. I was surprised at how much DMs I got from this poll. Yeah. So the uh, yeah, 
I think pop punk is like it's it's watch what you say, Josh. Speak your truth, Josh. It's 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 I mean that's basically an oxymoron. That's like the uh that's like going and buying uh oh, fuck, what's the name of that stupid um the mall goth store what the fuck's the name of that hot topic hot topic that fucking like this like overly commercial like obviously the opposite of what anything is in here says it's actually about sort of a like pop punk just it doesn't make any sense and this is coming from someone who likes pop music i I, like i like pop music it's just that bunking pop and like it's Josh, you sound a little bit like a curmudgeon right now. I'm going to allow it, but I, I have to be honest with you. You do sound a little bit curmudgeon Okay, I'm In fine with that, is. but like... Okay. Yeah. As long as you're okay with it. I think pop monk... Pop monk? Pop punk music is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I've loved it ever since I was a teenager, so obviously it speaks to me. There's a new track um, called Transparent Soul by Willow, which is... Uh, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith's daughter that they did with Travis Barker. And then that that set me off on finding some other new artists that are trying to do the pop punk thing. I guess Machine Gun Kelly is kind of doing a version of that, which I don't really care for him. But uh, Swaco, which is a new artist I didn't know about, is doing did a pop punk song. Um, it's kind of mixed a little bit with uh, trap style vocals, a little bit in terms of production, uh, okay. not necessarily how they're sure. delivered. Um, it's interesting. It's like a new wave of pop punk. Um, it's more, it feels a lot more on the pop sensibilities than the punk, but there are some other artists out there that have kind of been doing that for a while. I know newfound glory has been around this entire time doing their thing. Um, there's some new second wave artists or some newer second wave artists who I imagine are going to see some increased, um, popularity with that, but I, I've been trying to get into a lot of new music lately, so um, I've been listening to a ton of new music. Obviously, I've been listening to Willow's music, which I never listened to before. Her music is surprisingly really fucking good, guys. You guys should go listen to her mm-hmm. catalog. Um, all sorts of styles in her catalog. Very good stuff. She's come a long way since I whipped my hair back and forth. Um, and I'm not. I'm not being snarky or a joke, uh, joking around. Um, no, she it's really still the track. Some- I mean, it's not a bad track, but um, she's made some really good music since then. Uh, I've listened, been listening to a band I told you guys to listen to called Hiatus Coyote. They just dropped a new album, and it's fucking amazing. I was listening to it this morning. Um, uh, Tyler, the creator, just dropped his new album today or yesterday. So fucking good. Tyler, the creator, the fifth Ninja Turtle, a lot, a lot of people would say. Yeah, <laughs> right. But no, I've just been trying to listen to a bunch of new music lately. So Yeah, it's um, cool. It's very cool. I'm excited for a new wave of pop punk so I can feel young again. And the last question we had this week is because I've been editing recently, um, I've been trying to pay attention to what we can do to make the Chompcast better. Do we have a tendency to talk too much about the games we play? The choices where you flap your gums a lot or you're good do you. The number has since changed, boys, unfortunately, since uh, <laughs> when I first sent you guys the, the 9% to 
about a quarter of people, 24% of people, say you flap your gums a lot, and I imagine those people agree with the Pac-Man picture of saying, shut the fuck up, um, which was done by Eric Sonic 18 at DeviantArt, and 76% of people said you're good, do you? So about three-fourths of people who listen to us think we're okay. Well, that's too damn Better bad. Better than I expected. I was, I was, honestly, I was, I was banking on about 50-50 being hate watches. So. Yep. I think we can get that number up. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. Like, I, I was expecting that number to be much higher, but, um, yeah, I, I, uh. I was surprised by that number and I was happy to see that. Obviously, sometimes I think we do have a tendency to get lost too much in the weeds of video games, like especially me when I'm trying to do a really good job of reviewing a game, I really get into the nitty-gritty. So I'm I'm going to probably try and work on that a little bit in the future, but I'm still going to talk a lot about the video games that I like because I want people to know. So yeah. uh, I want them to have an informed opinion and if they don't want to hear it, they just skip over the game we're talking about. So but that's going to wrap it up for the uh, the polls. We have one last thing we got to do here before we get out. With the Patreon shoutouts at the end of the month, um, we do this for all, all the patrons at the end of the month who um, are at the $3 tier and above who donate money to us uh, to keep the show, show going, keep the show alive, keep everything running smoothly. Um, we are incredibly appreciative of our patrons. Um, if you're interested at all in joining, you can head over to patreon.com slash swordchomp. Like I said before, we have many different tiers. These patron shoutouts start at the $3 tier. Um, but without further ado, um, there isn't a script this week. Uh, I'm going to pull some music up, some funny music, and uh, I'm just going to read the names this week because I, I worked really hard on um, kind of curating that discussion for this um, this episode that i didn't honestly put as much effort in the patreon <laughs> shout outs but i figured just you know the fact that we're calling their names out and showing appreciation for them so um here we go we have ivan thank you so much ivan the guy you just heard earlier is a our, a patron and our most treasured one no i'm just kidding uh he's a really great friend of ours a good friend of the show thank you ivan thank you bernadette and jonathan um, at your guys' tier, thank you guys for holding that down. We appreciate you. And Bernadette also, um, quick shout out, she designed a shirt for us, um, a shirt, our merch idea for us. It's over at Redbubble. One of my favorite shirts. Slash sword, comp, yeah. sword Chomp, or you can go to uh, store.swordchomp.com to check that out. Um, she has an awesome merch design that she um, gave us. And so thank you, Bernadette, and thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Beefy Gamers, Corin Space, Eric S, Josh M, Justin, Jay Holbro, Paul, Raul, Sai, the Zalbi, Tawny. Thank you all so much at your guys' respective tier. And Amber, sorry, I forgot Amber. And Amber. Thank you all so much. Um can't forget Amber. For your donations and whatnot. Um, they get access to uh early access to the Chomping After Dark show which we just put out a new one after it being dormant for the past few months we got a new one up and out there so if you guys are interested in checking that out check that out there but i want to say thank you to each and every one of you um thank you so so much and last but not least we have mr fletch um 
holding it down at his tier. Thank you so much, Fletch. We love you. We love each and every one of you. Thank you for being a part of this uh, monkey show that we have here. Um, just going off the rails all the time and occasionally doing the serious stuff that we get to do. Um, you all are the reason that we get to continue making this show and making all the additional content and doing it as frequently as we get to do it. Um, I think it's safe to say it wouldn't be a weekly show and it wouldn't be as long as it is if we didn't have the support of these patrons and even the non-patrons. So thank you so much to each and every one of you. Um, that's going to do it for the show. Um, a few backend things because I didn't really do it too much at the beginning of the show. Uh, you can head over to swordchomp.com where you can check out all of our other stuff. We have two other podcasts that we do, Chomping After Dark, which is a spoiler podcast where we deep dive on video games and movies, um, things of that nature. And we also have uh, Evoking the Sublime, which um, is hosted by me, where I interview game developers and talk about the history and creation of their video games. So you can check that out as well. Um, you have access to reviews, which Rich has just gotten a few up this week. Rich, which ones did you get up this week again? Um, th right now, uh, the Final Fantasy VII Intermission, uh, and, uh, Ratchet and Clank, a Rift Parter up. By the time this podcast is airing, uh, there will also be one for Backbone up. Well, there you have it. Rich has gotten three new reviews up. Um, it's really exciting. There are some changes going to be coming to that, um, area. We'll talk about that next week. Yeah, exactly what I was just going to say. And we're going to be talking about that next week. There are some big changes there. A lot more content is going up there. So if you want to check out that editorial section from our editor, head over to swordchomp.com slash reviews. Um, I really like that nickname, Josh. Thank you. I'm going to be using it all the <laughs> fucking time now. Seriously. Um, editor in chief. Anything else that I'm forgetting? Oh, yeah. Like I said, merch. If you're interested at all in repping merch, Head over to store.swordchomp.com. Um, we have a bunch of designs and logos and everything up there that you can rep our merch. And if you end up buying anything, please, 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 please send us a picture. We want to feature it on the social media landscape. We want to feature it on our website. Um, all that good jazz. Um, I've talked about the Patreon enough, um, if you're interested, um, because we are a listener-funded show. That, that money goes almost exclusively back into making the show um no actually it completely goes back into making the show we don't pocket any of that money like it goes to um what it takes to run this thing it takes it goes into the games we play to talk about with um you guys all the money that you put into our patron goes patreon goes right back into the show so we hope um, to be in the black you, by 2030 that's the goal <laughs> we're in the vanta black right now but no, um, wait, black's not the bad one, right? Black yes. isn't the, like, the lowest, or it is the lowest That's of the low? That's the good one. Oh, it's the good one. Okay, sorry. Yeah. We're in the, like, what's the red? Like, the most reddest red you guys can think of? Hmm. Crimson? Sure, that's pretty red. We're hoping to get out of crimson red by 2030. Um, and, and into, no, we're, um... But yeah, seriously, any 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 money that anybody ever donates goes into the show, so it means the world to us, um, which is why we like to do those patron shoutouts at the end of the month. But And last but not least, I do want to say, if all of that's overwhelming and you think, I'm just here to be a part of the experience, I'm just here to listen to these guys ramble on and bullshit, 
The best thing you can do for us is share with your friends, anybody you think would be interested in listening to this podcast. Um, getting the name of Swordchomp out there really does more for us than you can possibly know. Um, a little behind, behind the scenes stuff. We were closer last month than we've ever been to hitting 10,000 subscribers on our podcast. We were literally a couple hundred people away. And that's in large due to the efforts of you guys listening, but also sharing the name of Swordchomp with other people. Um, seriously. So thank you if you do that already. And if you don't, please, please, please share the name out. Uh, we want to get up to 10,000 subscribers, not because we get anything out of it, but it would be a huge milestone for us. That would help us so much just to, I don't know, mentally overcome this obstacle and say we finally hit 10,000 concurrent subscribers in one month. That would be such a milestone for us. We've come close to it one other time a few years back. We want to say we're capable of doing that. So enough rambling on. Um, just thank you so much for listening and being here. If all that's overwhelming, we appreciate it. Um, I want to say one more quick thank you to Ivan, even though he's not here, for coming on and listening to us and answering our questions and offering some wonderful insight into a topic that I think needs to be addressed more. Um, I appreciate it. So Ivan, if you're listening to this, thank you so much. I really do appreciate you. Um, I love you very much, my friend. Um, I want to say thank you to Rich. Thanks again, uh, David. Rich, the editor, for uh, being here from the Big Apple. I want to thank Mr. Joshua Fowler for being here from Michigan. Apple at 3 a.m. Um, for the from Michigan for the near future, um, wherever he goes to next, uh, will be a secret. And I was Shay, your host here from Japan. We will be back with another awesome episode of the Chompcast next week. We have some big new announcements to make there, so stay tuned for that. And we will catch you next week. Thank you so much. We love you all, and take care.